Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this, the 16th edition of the Rambling Brews podcast. I am your host, I go by the name Tim, and it's fitting I tell you that this is the 16th episode, and you might ask why, so I'll tell you. That number 16 is the total number of touchdown passes that my guest on this week's podcast threw to me in our record-setting season in fourth grade football for the Trinity East Wildcats (laughs) back in western Pennsylvania, and I just checked. The record still stands. It'll never be broken. I've known this man for 24 years. He's one of my best friends in the world. He's here to shoot the breeze, talk some pucks, and seeing as that he comes from a family of successful horse racers, he's here to tee the listeners up with some absolute locks for the Kentucky Derby this Saturday. My brother, Dustin, thanks for joining the Ramblin' Bruce podcast, man. How's it going? Oh my God. That was a legendary introduction there. I I will say, uh, you told me you had a good intro for me, and uh, that was definitely, definitely uh, something that I was expecting. But you know, I was surprised that you had to go up and look up our stats, even though I thought you would have a plaque hanging on your wall in your <laughs> office there. You know, from our trophy and stuff, like a signed jersey. I didn't have to look it up. I just wanted to make sure it still stood, man. It's been a long time, but I don't think that record will ever be ever be broken. <laughs> Sixteen you know, tutters. Yeah, I was I was expecting you to have like a signed jersey from Carl Tressler himself, you know. So, oh yeah, Coach T, man. Uh, for those of you that didn't play for Coach T that are listening, but this guy was such a savage. He used to we were like third grade, fourth grade, and he used to make us do six inches in practice, and then he would come stand on our stomachs to help us strengthen our core. So that's just the kind of guy you're dealing with when you're talking about Coach T, and maybe that's why we set the record in that league. Uh, no, thanks again, man, for joining the podcast. And the, the obligatory question I always ask is, you know, what you're sipping on, but you and I did a little preparation. So we decided to pick up uh, a local beer from, you know, you down in Tampa and me here in Pittsburgh. So, uh, what did you go with? We'll do a little taste test here and, uh, describe it. Yeah. So, um, there's this place, uh, right near my house now it's called angry chair. And, uh, I think I was looking up a couple of facts about them and it seems like they, you know, they always have like a, like a, a couple beers on tap, a couple being 16. They swap them out, but on their website, they have about like 30 or whatever listed. Uh, and the one that I picked up is called a Space Grass IPA. Um, there's <laughs> literally... some dumbass name. It dude, like it's ridiculous, you know, like, <laughs> you know, Space Grass, like in a, a, a picture of it. It's like a, it's like a skull. And there's like some like green kind of like, I don't know, like smoke to it or something. So should be interesting. Oh uh, there's no like notes or like any like details or facts about what you're getting yourself into here. So it's kind of like going in blind. But I did pull up like uh, some reviews of it just to see like what was in it. The rich aromas of grassy lemon and some good orange citrus to it. But Whatever that means. Uh, it sounds like a Florida brewed beer for sure. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, definitely. You know, some you know the Florida funk down here. So that's that sounds definitely like I said, definitely in Florida. And I kind of went with a similar theme here. Uh, I went to Spoonwood Brewing Company here again in um, locally here Bethel Park, and it's it's like a pride of Pittsburgh type beer. It's called the Working Class Hero Cream Ale. So it's like a supposed to be a blue collar beer. Um, I don't know any blue collar workers that are hitting up the brewery after to get a beer like this, but it says it's a classic American style with two row malted barley and corn. So I was like, two okay, row. I could, yeah. I have no idea what that means. If you know what that means. <laughs> I love they just like, how, they just like make up words. They you know? make like, shit up. Definitely dude. Like that, that's just ridiculous. But and, like they just make it seem like it's, there's another one on this list study that I was going to get. It said, uh, let's see an invigorating fusion 
of rice, matcha green tea, and fresh ginger juice. Like, what? Like, Well, that just sounds disgusting because I don't think you want ginger in your beer or anything like that. Dear God. No, I, 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 not for me. But, uh, yeah, this is the working class hero. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a sip. And I've already poured it in the glass. It came in a growler. Um, so I'll give it a sip and you do the same and, and we'll give it a old rambling bruise rating out of five stars. All right. Well, I'll let you go first and then I'll crack mine. Cause I know how you like to get that nice crisp crack on the mic. Oh, yeah, so you got to, I'll, man. I'll, I'll, I was I'll let a little you disappointed. Go. I'm disappointed. I, I had know, to pour I it without being able to crack it first, but you, you go ahead, you go ahead first and I'll wait. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Honestly, it says it's a cream ale. I can taste a little bit of like why they would say that, but it doesn't have much flavor at all. It kind of tastes like a just a regular light beer almost. This is actually pretty good. Maybe that's why it's a classic American style barley and corn beer, malted barley and corn. I mean that that two rows wheat or whatever is not coming through to you. <laughs> no, not yet. Maybe on the second sip. <laughs> Maybe just one row is getting through. Let me uh, let me digest this before I give my score. You can go ahead with yours. It's all actually right, pretty good right. though. All right, so let's see here. Let's go. Interesting. I was expecting some more like hoppiness of it, but it's right. actually pretty nice. It's uh, it's kind of light. You know how like a lot of IPAs, you get that like that bitter kickback at the end of it, like when you swallow it and you're like, oh my god, it tastes like yeah. skunk or something. But yeah, no, <laughs> like every like IPA that. ever. <laughs> It's like, uh, have you ever had Goose Island IPA by chance? I have not, no. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of just like a mild IPA, but a little, you know, a little bit on the lighter side with like uh, some, I guess, grapefruit and orange in it, but it's pretty good. I would not turn this down if it was handed to me, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel the same way about this. I'm going to go uh, on the scale one to five stars, the Rambling Brews rating. Uh, I'm going to give this one a, a 3.6. I think this is a pretty good beer. I'd definitely get this one again if I, w- if I went to Spoonwood. And for people locally, Spoonwood's a pretty awesome place. I might have mentioned it before on a previous episode, but um, they've got great brick oven pizza, like just a cool vibe. It's typical like brewery vibe. I do like brewery vibes. I just don't like the beers most of the time that they have. Um, I have trouble. So I'm, I'm glad that I found, uh, found this, the working class hero, cream ale. I'd, I'd definitely uh, get this if I went back to Spoonwood. That's a, that's a pretty solid review, though. Um, I'll have to say for mine, I'll have to go with probably like a 3.9. Damn. Like, I really enjoy it. Um, that's a damn good review. Definitely the highest review for a guest so far. So, um, you know, I'd recommend that one for, for anybody that's in the Tampa area. Um, pivoting over a little bit, we'll talk about uh, some hockey stuff here. So the Penguins tonight, as we're recording this Tuesday, they just lost 3-1 to the Boston Bruins. Um, really let an opportunity kind of slip through the cracks to take a stranglehold on first place um, in the division. They actually bounced back to second place because the Islanders beat the, or sorry, the Capitals beat the Islanders tonight. And then the Rangers also uh, beat Buffalo, which I kind of expected that would happen. But the Penguins, in order to clinch a playoff spot tonight, they needed to, to win the game and then hope the uh, Rangers lose in any fashion. So whether it be overtime or regulation. So the, the hunt for the Penguins to clinch a playoff spot still um, is still there. And, and the Penguins do go to they travel to uh, D.C. to play the Capitals two games um, Thursday and Saturday this week. So, uh, you know, did you see any of the game tonight? What were your thoughts on, on the Penguins' performance? Because they, they are 8-1-1 and one, um, in their last 10 prior to this, so they've been really buzzing, but just kind of hit a, hit a roadblock tonight. Yeah, they, they looked a little sluggish tonight. Um, I only was able to catch about, like, the, the last probably, like, five minutes of the second because I was listening to on the radio as I was driving home, and then 
I was able to watch the whole third, and um, they just looked a little slow. Um, but definitely, you know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier before this, but Tuka Rask, I mean, he's he's always been a solid goaltender, and you know, when he's on, he's on. And if he starts, if you know, if he if he's playing like he is now, going to the playoffs, you know, the Bruins might be pretty tough to beat in the playoffs for sure. Because I mean, I, I would assume they're going to make it. And definitely with, uh, you know, adding Taylor Hall to their plethora of players, that can definitely give them a lot of momentum going into the playoffs and, you know, look for them to make a run. And I would, if I had to pick, I would definitely not want to pick the, play the Bruins in the playoffs, but we'll see how everything shapes up. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I wanted to get your take on, you know, who you think the best um, the matchup would be for the Penguins in the first round and kind of how you see how it'll, it'll play out here. But uh, to your point with Boston, you think they're going to make the playoffs? I do too, but they're only four points up on the Rangers right now. The Rangers are really playing well, but they have played two more games um, than Boston. And uh, you mentioned Taylor Hall, and he has four goals in nine games as a Bruin. So he's really kind of the second half of the season now that he got out of Buffalo and that hellhole up there, um, he's really started to pick it up a little bit. And I think adding that secondary scoring for Boston is huge. Because not only Tuka Rask coming back, he's been injured a lot this year. Um, they finally got him back. Um, played great tonight, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, they're they're really looking for that secondary scoring because their top line is arguably the best line in hockey with Marshawn, Bergeron, and, and David Pashenok. So um, I think they're definitely going to make it. But the Penguins, I think they just got a little bit tired tonight. They looked like they they just been playing so well, and they're bound to, to hit a hiccup in the road a little bit. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it if I'm a Penguins fan. So... Um, they just got to regroup and, and Thursday night, go play uh, the Capitals. That's going to be a big game. They've got two games against them, two games against Philly um, coming up. And then I believe they have two games against Buffalo to close out the season. So those will be big games at the end of the year that hopefully they can, they can grab four points quick. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping they'll be, they'll be clinched by then. If they clinch the playoffs this year, it'll be 15 straight playoff berths, which is pretty unbelievable in this era. They haven't missed the playoffs since Sidney Crosby's rookie year. So um, I guess outside of that, the Sharks had a nice long, uh, streak going there for a little while I think they were up to maybe 11 or 12 straight years um somebody will fact check me on that but you know it's pretty it's pretty remarkable that uh the Penguins what they've been able to do year in and year out all the injuries this year um you know we'll talk about that in a minute but you know it's just crazy what they've been able to do and how they've been able to just withstand everything that's gone bad for them as far as people in and out of the lineup Malkin Tanev you know just it's just crazy Jari missing time defenseman missing time Dumoulin was out for a while so um I don't know like how much influence really a general manager and a um, president of hockey operations can have on the day-to-day like that quick in a season, but it seems like that's when the, the switch just flipped for the Penguins. You mentioned the injuries, the Penguins injuries. Um, so, and I just talked about them as well, but you know, <clears throat> with Evgeny Malkin and Brandon Tanev returning uh, pretty soon, I know they've both been skating. Freddie Gaudreau has been skating. Um, mainly, let's start with Malkin. Where would you slide him in? Do you think, you know, in terms of putting him in uh, back in the lineup because up until tonight, as we talked about, they've been rolling and they've been clicking on all cylinders and Jared McCann, who's kind of taken over from Malkin on the power play um, and filled that position has done well there. Very well. He's been very productive. Um, I think he's already got more power play goals than Malkin has this year. Um, the power play just in general has been clicking better um, this part of the season than they were earlier when Malkin was in. I don't think that's due to Malkin. Uh, I think they're just simplifying things more and they're just clicking more and have more, they're more in sync. But where would you put Malkin? And you you slide him right back in where he was, or do you uh, kind of try to ease him back? Yeah, so I'll touch on sliding him back in the line first before the power play. Um, you know, I, you know, Malkin's like you know their their second guy behind Crosby. So, 
you know, they're definitely going to put him back in the second line. There, there's no way Malkin would ever see third line status. Um, so I don't know. I, I believe Carter is centering the second line, correct? He is, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely put him back in the second line, but I try and save him from the power play for, you know, a couple games just to, you know, see how the power play, you know, still still holds up to to what they're doing right now. And if it, you know, if it starts to struggle, start to come down a little bit, I'd definitely say swap him back in. But coming back from an injury, you know, less ice time for him, especially, um, you know, could be beneficial to give him a little bit more rest. Um, but back to you know the second line. I don't know if Carter has ever played a wing position, but I think it'd be kind of interesting to try him out, like on you know one of the wings for Malkin to have you know some more experienced players with him with you know some potential caliber. But you know we both know Carter's better years are behind him when he was with the Kings, and then he had his best season. It was like his fourth season back in oh eight oh nine with the you know, the Philadelphia Flyers, um, that was, he had 84, he had 84 points and like 46 goals that season. So although he is old, but he still has some experience and I feel like he could be beneficial on Malkin's line, but there's definitely no way they're going to keep Malkin not from playing the second line. So. Yeah, I think he'll slot back in. And that's interesting. You mentioned about Carter. He has played wing. He he played wing uh, the last, I think year or two, mostly in LA, just because of like a lack of I think they had some young centermen that they were trying to develop out there. Um, so they were just trying to keep him up in the top six, but he's more natural center. Um, but the Penguins, again, they've been trying to recreate that HBK line from the 2015-2016 team. You know, they've been trying to do that the last couple of years, and it seems like they might have it if they can keep, um, you know, McCann and have Carter center him and maybe have Zucker there. But you'd have to have Zucker on the, the off wing. He'd be playing right wing. So. I would probably put Zucker up with Malkin and Kasperi Kapanen because Kapanen and Malkin were playing pretty well together before Malkin went out, and then Kapanen went out as well. So they're both kind of going to be getting back into things. I know Kapanen's back now, so he's kind of getting back into the groove, but hopefully Malkin can come back. I've seen him potentially going to uh, play Thursday against the Capitals, but I he hasn't uh, had any practice yet with as of the time we're recording this um, with contact. So he might Wednesday and maybe Thursday's morning skate. You never know. If he gets in there, but I agree, I, there's no way they're going to slot him, you know, anywhere but the second line. They'll put him right back with Kapanen, I think. So it's a matter of finding that other winger. Is it going to be like Evan Rodriguez potentially if you have Zucker down with um, Carter and McCann, <clears throat> McCann, or are you going to put, you know, Erod down with McCann and Carter and then put Zucker up there? But to your point, I think at times maybe if they're trying to spark some offense or you know matchups are getting tight or whatever the case is in a playoff series, they definitely could put Carter up there in the top six on the wing and he's a pure shooter he shoots the puck from everywhere you know Tuesday night like we talked about they lost the Penguins lost three to one to Boston but Carter had an absolute rocket shot with like three minutes left to break the shutout right off the far post and in so he can still fire the biscuit man so I I think if you put him with a guy like Malkin it's definitely um you know could have some success but I think initially they'll start with having Malkin with Kapanen and then they'll have to find out whoever that winger is whoever Mike Sullivan sees fit but having um you know, Carter and Zucker and McCann on that third line is a pretty dynamic third line. Yeah. So real quick touching on that, uh, Kapanen topic, uh, man, when, when the Penguins first got him, I was so excited because he was such a good young player. And then when they, they traded him, you know, fairly early and I thought that was a big trade to let go. Cause I saw a lot of potential in him. and they traded him for Phil Kessel. He was part of the Kessel deal to Toronto. Yeah. I wish we just saw, I mean, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, you're going to get Kessel, so, I mean, worth it. But I still love Kappen. He, I thought he was really good. Um, but, you know, it's nice to have him back. You know, he has a lot of he – has, he has good speed and can make some plays happen. And I think that would be an interesting line to put Kappen in, Malkin, and, you know, test out Carter to see, you know, see, see what could potentially be there. Because, you know, to your point of the HBK line, um, you know, Carter could, you know, he can shoot the biscuit and they can spark something with that line. Just, you know, change it up a little bit. Yeah. If you put, if you put Carter with, um, Malkin and Kapanen, I mean, Malkin's, you know, his, his fastest years are behind him, obviously. Um, he's 34, but you know, uh, Carter can still skate, you know, he's 36. You mentioned his, you know, his best years are behind him and statistically they are, but he can still skate. That's one thing he's got. And Kapanen can skate better than almost anybody on the team. He's, he's probably one of the fastest, if not the fastest guy on the Penguins. And the one thing he does so well that I think will help with Malkin is he can gain the zone so easily. He He's so fast, and he makes a defenseman back up, and he just pulls up on a dime and finds a trailer, and that will be Malkin or Carter coming down the slot. And he did it a couple times the last few games. Um, he's one of the best guys on the team at doing that, in my opinion, in terms of gaining the zone, and that's a huge uh, thing you need to have offensively. And if your winger can do it, and Malkin likes to carry the puck too, so that could be a pretty dynamic line. I think you'll probably see that line a little bit at times, like I said, maybe in a playoff series where you know, things aren't going so well, or the second line, the, you know, the true second line's not getting anything going, or they're trying to, you know, cause that happens, man. You know how that goes in hockey. The the coach has to jumble up the lines a little bit and they, that's just the way it goes and the way the game goes. So they have a lot of different pieces they can move, uh, move around the lineup. And I think that benefits the Penguins. So I just can't wait for them to finally get healthy. Um, and Tanev too, I mentioned Tanev. He's, he's a stud, man. I know people were, I've harped on this before. People were a little bit against him getting signed because I think he got signed. I mean, I know he got signed for a six year deal, but I think that's why people were upset by it because it was like, why are you giving this fourth line guy six year deals? So I could understand that, but he's not really a fourth line guy. He's almost like a, I don't want to say better version of Max Talbot. I think Max Talbot had a little bit more finish, but uh, Tanev is just like a, he's a mutant out there, dude. Like he's just hitting everybody. He's under everybody's skin. He's a pain in the ass. He's the kind of guy that you definitely want to have back in the lineup. The only thing that scares me is, I think his injury is a separated shoulder. So the way he plays, dude, I'm not sure he's going to be like as effective if he's worried about potentially popping that shoulder, you know, because like I said, he's throwing checks on every play. He's in the kitchen. He's mucking it up in front of the net. He could add some stuff to that Malkin line too if they toss him up there and create some space for Malkin in in a series where things maybe aren't going well for him. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I mean, definitely if you throw Tanev up on that line, that'd be... That'd be a good mix to kind of take some heat off of Malkin because, you know, he'll get in there, he'll wrestle with people and, you know, throw his body around. But to your point about it, it was, I, didn't, I didn't know it was a shoulder injury. Um, the way he plays, like you said, you know, going in there, checking people, he's always in the action. And to your point of being like a Max Talbot, I, I don't think he's like as a fighter material as Talbot, Talbot was. Um, but Tanev, um, I was surprised when they signed him for six years as well. But, I mean, I, I never really watched him play before he came to the Penguins. And when he came, I was like, he's just like, he's like this little pest that just, he can skate too. Like, he's fast. And he dumps the pucks, gets down there, and gets right to it. And uh, he, if, I was, if I was playing against him, he kind of reminds me of how, how I, hate, I hate Marshawn so bad. Like he is the worst, and he kind of reminds me of him, like the way his his attitude. He's he's not like you know as good as Marshawn and stuff, but 
the way he plays, he's just always like up in your face and always all, he's always just a little pest just being around the puck. So it'll be good when they when they can get him back. And I don't know how much longer he's going to be out for, but hopefully, you know, in time for playoffs. He's skating. I don't think, again, I don't think he's taking any contact either. I think Malkin and Freddie Goudreau are a little bit ahead of him. Um, Goudreau is kind of a borderline player in terms of making the lineup, but when he did get in with the injuries, he really was a force out there. So I, I look for him to get, get some chances and get some ice time. But um, it's funny you mentioned that about Marshawn because, yeah, every Penguins fan, probably every fan around the NHL hates Marshawn that's not a Bruins fan. Um, I always used to like, I, I mean, I still can't stand him because he's just that kind of guy that, like you said, he just gets under your skin, but he always scores. He scored the game-winning goal um, against the, the Pens uh, Tuesday night here when we just talked about He produces. And yeah, exactly. He produces all the time. I think, personally, this pains me to say it, and I'm not sure people realize it, but I, I think he's close to almost like a top five player in the NHL. He's that good. Like he drives. Oh dear the, God, he, dude, he drives that line, dude. And, and I've seen the, uh, you know, Bergeron's obviously Bergeron, but I mean, Marshawn's at a. He's been close. I think two years ago he had a hundred points. Um, a year before that, I think he had ninety nine. He, he's very productive offensively. He's one of the best shorthanded players in the league by far. Um, him and Bergeron play shorthanded all the time, and they're just so so dynamic. They get tons of chances, and they score a lot of shorthanded goals. Um, and I saw some things going on in Canada this week with different podcasts and different TV things going on and stuff where they were talking about, is Brad Marchand a Hall of Fame player or on the trajectory to be one? And I think he probably is. I mean, honestly, like if you look at the Hall of Fame in every sport, dude, it's like there's probably guys in there that shouldn't be. But it, you can't argue his numbers. Like he's a, he's a pissant. Like he's an asshole player. But he's a guy that if he played for the Penguins, we'd probably love him. You know what I mean? But Oh, I, Absolutely. I like that comparison you make with Tanev because, yeah, he's not as productive, but he's a guy that just doesn't give a shit. He's like a, just a little pest. He'll whack you in the back of the legs. or He's not quite as like outlandish as, uh, <laughs> as Marshawn. <'cause> Marshawn, <laughs> remember what? I think it was Ryan Callahan for the Lightning a couple years ago <laughs> when he licked uh, Callahan's yeah, when he, face. Yeah, when, when he licked his face. <laughs> yeah, so he just does that kind of shit, which is insane. But, but that's um, the thing. That's him. That, that's how he gets under his skin because he knows they're going to you know chirp back at him and you know, give them the old face wash. Yeah. It's one of those um, things that it's always crazy to me too, is like him and Sidney Crosby are really close friends, which you wouldn't think that, but they're both from a similar area. They're both from Nova Scotia and Canada. So that's a, that's a good segue. Cause I want to pivot over to Crosby. Um, he is first, I want to mention he's on, he's centering, obviously, I think one of the best lines in hockey. I mentioned uh, the Bruins having Bergeron, Pasternak and Marshawn is one of the best lines in hockey, but the Penguins have Rust, Gensel and Crosby. And I think they're the only line, at least as of the time we're recording this, that have three players that are 20 goal scorers this year. So that's pretty crazy. You got 60 goals from your top line. Um, but Sidney Crosby, this past weekend, he clinched um, his 16th straight point-per-game average season. 16 straight seasons. Every season he's been in the NHL, he's averaged at least a point per game meaning he has more points than he's played games. So he's the second player in NHL history to do that consecutively. I saw some people were saying, well, Gordy Howe did it. He did it for uh, 17, I think, but it wasn't consecutive. Um, Gretzky did it for 19 years consecutive. So pretty unbelievable what Crosby's been able to do. And I, I you know, I, I can't, it's just nothing seems to, you know, surprise me with Crosby. I think he can do it, you know, at least a few more years and hopefully he will and, and beat Gretzky's record there. But Point per game for 16 years is just unbelievable. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, so the thing is with Crosby, he's played with so many different line mates over the years. And no matter who you put on his line, 
he's going to make everybody around him better. And we've seen that year after year. He just produces. He's always out there producing. He's always consistent. You can always count on him. You know, it's unfortunate early in his career with the, all the, with the concussions he's taken. And then and back in 2013 against, the, you know, of course, the Islanders, when he took that puck to the jaw, you know, that all the, you know, all that adds up and changes the way he's played the game. So before, you know, he was getting deep down behind the net. He was always in front of the net redirecting, you know, but ever since I, I feel like ever since that last shot that he took in 2013 to the jaw, you know, cause it, I believe it was a, was it a redirect or was it just a straight shot to his jaw? Do you know? It was, I was actually at the game. It was uh, Jerome McGinley's first game as a penguin. So we were fired up and, um, and Orpix shot it and he shot it like a mile wide and it just, uh, it just hit Crosby right in the chin. Never saw it. Oh, of course. So Orpik was just sending it to the stands, of course. So (laughs) I don't know. He he was trying to get a tip from Crosby, but he (laughs) shot it like at his face, like five feet wide of the net. I don't know what he was doing, but (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, you know, you know, things like that happen. And of course, you know, Crosby always took so many cheap shots and stuff early in his career. Everyone was just, you know, because he was Crosby, everyone was getting on him. But ever since all that happened, you know, his game has changed, you know, quite a bit from when he first started playing, but he still produces and he's still out there. And so uh, it's definitely a, you know, unbelievable uh, accomplishment by Crosby. And, you know, definitely he'll definitely, I I think he'll at least reach the 19, Um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes past 20. I mean, there's really nothing slowing him down unless he gets, you know, injured or something after a few bad games and early in the season. But I think he'll definitely pass Gretzky on that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I hope so too. And I think, you know, you mentioned him getting beat up and getting, and and people that aren't Penguins fans or people that are anti Crosby. uh, And I talked about it last week. I really got fired up about it. That just pisses me off. But they always talk about how, you know, he was always whining and stuff like that. And he really did take a beating, man. And I think that's what's going to happen. I wanted to talk about McDavid because McDavid seems like the kind of guy that I think can do that. I think he's been a point per game every season he's been in so far now. I think that's only six. Um, but what he's doing right now, man, I know you you and I text a little bit back and forth, just like, holy shit, or like, you know, Instagram videos and stuff like, just like anybody else that's watching hockey and watching what McDavid's doing in this era. Um, I know people are trying to compare what he's done this year to what Lemieux did. And I talked about it last episode where Lemieux did it and he was 36 years old and he had just been retired for four years and came back and still has had better numbers than McDavid has this year in a very similar league where it was like clutch and grab and the save percentages and stuff I saw today. I think the year that Lemieux did it, the average save percentage in the NHL was 90.3%. This year it's 90.8. So it's barely different. I mean, it's very, very similar. Um, so I wouldn't make that comparison, but what he's been able to do is, is insane, man. I, I saw a stat. I, ha- I had to bring this up and it, it's, I've talked about it whenever I made my playoff predictions and the Oilers look like they're going to make the playoffs pretty much just on the back of McDavid and Dreisaitl. But this just goes to show you how dominant he is and how his team relies on him so heavily that you almost like have to give him the Hart Trophy. If you look at the MVP, that is, if, if you look at it in the truest sense of the most valuable player, it's the most valuable player to your team. Sometimes people get caught up in giving it to the, you know, whoever had the best season, stuff like that. But this, check this stat, dude. The Oilers scoring chances this year, as of today, at five on five, so even strength, when Connor McDavid's on the ice, they're plus 88. They average 88 more, or they have 88 more scoring chances than the other team. When McDavid's not on the ice, 
They're minus 183. Holy crap. So when he's not on the ice, now he plays like 24, 25 minutes a night because everybody else on the team is garbage besides Dreisaitl and maybe like Ryan Nugent Hopkins or like Jesse Pugliarvi is not bad. But dude, plus 88 when he's on the ice and minus 183 when he's not. So like- well, I was going to say, I'm more surprised by the fact about the negative number there, sir. <laughs> Well, oh, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, but they, they, they don't have anybody on their second, third and fourth line. So like, if you get into a playoff series, what we just talked about where I mentioned, you know, Mike Sullivan might shuffle the lines. If Malkin's getting shut down or Crosby's lines, not producing or whatever, if they can find a way to limit, you're never going to shut McDavid down same way. You're not going to shut Crosby down and stuff like that or Ovechkin. But if you can limit McDavid to one point or a goal or a few chances, you're going to give up chances. He's that good. He's going to create, you know, but if you make them beat you with their second, third, and fourth line, and that's saying if Drysaddle doesn't play with McDavid, which he does a lot, but he sometimes he centers the second line. But if you make them beat you with secondary scoring, it's just not going to happen, and we've seen it. They haven't been able – they've won one playoff series. I think they beat the Anaheim Ducks, who were pretty much on the way out at that time, um, you know, back in 2017. I just don't see how they can really advance. They're in a weak division, weak playoff, but they're going to have to run through Toronto. Um, and some of those other teams up there can, can give them some trouble if you if you can shut potentially limit his chances because like I said, eighty eight, <laughs> they're plus eighty eight when he's on the ice, even strength. Not even to mention how dominant he is on the power play. Yeah, I mean that's a crazy statistic, but it's. I mean, I honestly feel bad for the guy. I mean, he is. I mean, he's the most talked about player since you know the Crosby, Oveshkin, Malkin era, and when he came into the league, it was just you know so much excitement so much talk about this kid you know coming out of uh you know eerie otters um and he was and you know no one wants to go to freaking well he was expected to go to buffalo at the time you know all the fans were buying the mcdavid jerseys thinking they were gonna get him and then they, they got screwed on that and he went to edmonton but you know the oilers yeah i mean you know with them you know, the first line, yeah, the first line is going to be good. But to your point, you know, when he's not on the ice, their scoring chances is just absolute crap. And when you get into the playoffs, you know, you have to have death. And, you know, if they don't have that and you get beat, like, from your second, third, even the fourth lines, like, that's why the Oilers are never, they're, I'm, there's no way that they're making the finals this year, for you know, for sure. that. Yeah, McDavid and Drysdale can you know carry the whole team, but that can only go so far. When you get into those you know tough playoff matches and you know playoff hockey's so different, man. Like it, the excitement's you know raised up a couple notches, and it's you know a lot more serious in the regular season. And if you don't have that depth, you're not going to go far in the playoffs. Maybe out of the first round, like you mentioned, when they beat the Ducks, but it's unfortunate to see him play for you know for that team that does just doesn't support him, you know, from the top to bottom. So. Yeah. And even that series, man, I mentioned, and you just talked about it against the ducks back in, I think it was 2017, you know, Ryan Kessler at the time was one of the best defensive centermen in the league. He was all over McDavid. Like, I don't know if people remember that. <clears throat> and McDavid was younger then too. He's a little bit bigger and stronger now, And he, but they don't really have anybody to protect him either. I mean, they have Zach Cassian, who's a good, you know, I guess deterrent, but he's not necessarily, I mean, he plays sometimes with McDavid and he's not really an offensive threat at all and should be, you know, in no way be a first line player in the NHL, but because McDavid's so good, he basically can play two on three and they just have Cassian out there to protect him. 
But Ryan Kessler was all over him, dude. Like every after every whistle, he's face washing him, he's cross checking him, he's slashing him, he's holding him, he's it's taking penalties, just getting under his skin and just kind of welcoming him to the NHL. That was his first playoff year. And I think that's what's gonna happen again. I, I don't know, you know, maybe like you said in the first round or two, what other teams can do that, because Toronto's not very physical either. Um, you look at, you know, Montreal and, and other teams in, in the North Division in the playoff hunt, but if you get if he gets into a matchup with you know, I, I guess you could say Winnipeg. I mean, Winnipeg's a pretty rough team, and they're right in the thick of things in the playoffs. But if he gets into a matchup with Boston or he gets into a matchup with even Pittsburgh, I mean, they're going to have guys that are just all over him. Now, he's, they're not going to shut him down. He's going to produce. Like I said, he's that damn good. But it, it's the playoffs, and like you said, man, the, the game's different. The energy's different. The officiating I talked about a couple episodes ago is different. They put the whistle away. McDavid's one of the best players in the league on the power play. They have the, one of the best power plays in the league, period. And that just goes away. Those chances aren't, you don't get four or five power plays usually in a playoff game. So they're going to have to keep producing at five on five. And obviously he is, but these, these other guys are going to have to pick it up because McDavid can't play 25, 26 minutes a game in a seven game series and expect to win 16 games in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And then to the point of, you know, playoffs, it's, it's a it's a clean slate. So, for good example, Tampa Bay Lightning back, uh, two years ago, they're the best team in the league. And come playoffs, they get swept the first round. <laughs> yeah, you know they had the best record. You know, they, one of the best records, and you know they get swept the first round, and they're out of the playoffs just like that. But then you know, go figure. A year later, you you see what happens. But you know, and you know, I'll I'll touch on this topic for you know a hot second. But uh, now that I live in Tampa. You know, Tampa Bay Lightning won the, the Stanley Cup last year, and it it was very unfortunate that due to COVID and all that stuff, you know, we couldn't go to any of the playoff games or anything like that. And man, it it would have been such an exciting time to be living downtown where I was living, you know, being around all the energy, all the hype for the playoff games and the stuff, and celebrating the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah I was, there, but I, I was there for the um the boat parade. And that was you know, that was pretty cool in itself, but you know, with the COVID going on and all that, there there wasn't as many people out there um, as there would be, you know, without the circumstances. Yeah, speaking of that, I just got my I got my second COVID shot today, so <clears throat> I'm feeling good, but I'm I'm weathering this like little fever coming on here. So <laughs> yeah, if I were you, man, I would uh, start start taking that Tylenol because I got mine about like a week or two ago, and I was out for the count for 48 hours. So. Yeah, I remember you saying that. You scared the shit out of me. And then the guy I went today, and um, I'm thinking in the back of my head, yo, I gotta, I'm recording this podcast with Dustin tonight. It's going to be awesome. And uh, it's a rambling bruise podcast. Like, and then the guy's like, make sure you, um, you, know, you drink lots of liquid, lots of fluids, uh, Gatorade, Pedialyte, whatever. No caffeine, no alcohol. I'm like, uh, he's like, well, everybody's different, but you know, just, just err on the side of caution. I'm like, all right, so I'll just have this, uh, whatever the hell it is working class hero. That'll be, I'm putting my health on the line for the listeners out there right now. I'll just say that. <laughs> well, you, you should have uh, picked up a, some Pedialyte, you know, to go hand in hand with that, you know, a sip of the beer, sip of the Pedialyte. So it balances it out. So yeah, I have Pedialyte upstairs, uh, but I'm, I have like a hint water here. It's like a, just like a strawberry lemon infused zero calorie good water, but I haven't cracked it yet. Because... Oh my gosh! You just you just hit me with a little throwback here. Remember Propel water, dude? I drink Propel like every single day. They still have that? 
Yeah, I buy them at uh, Sam's Club <laughs> all the time, dude. Dude, it's it's awesome because like oh uh, I know you're God. supposed to drink a shit ton of water, right? And I have like this big Arctic um like half gallon jug. And I drink it sometimes, but Dude, sometimes it's just hard for me to just sit there and drink water. Yeah, you just can't drink water. I'm a big fan of Mio, and I know Jarrett, you had him on here, and he was talking about how he just sips on, you know, water, Mio, and I'm not (laughs) knocking him. No, I'm not knocking him at all. I mean, that, like like you said, you can drink, you know, water gets so old after a while. Like, you have to try and drink, like, a gallon a day or whatever they tell you. Just the taste of water after a while just gets so old. I mean, if you add that Mio... It definitely helps. I mean, that, that I do that a lot at work. Like, pretty much every day, I have a different flavor in there. That's why I drink Propel, because it, it has zero calories. There's nothing in it. There's no sugar. There's nothing. It has a little bit of flavor. Same with this Hint Water I was just talking about. So I'll have to try the Mio, because, like, I agree, man. There's nothing more refreshing than, like, when you're really thirsty or, like, in the middle of the night or something or after you're playing sports or whatever than a water. But, like, I can't just, like, sit here and fucking drink water while I'm just watching TV or, like, watching the Pens game. It's very difficult for me to do that. But, yeah, dude, I I, I don't know, man. I, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out with McDavid in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you where I kind of feel bad for the guy because I don't, I don't feel bad for him in a sense that he makes $12.5 million a year and he's going to be the best player in the NHL for the next decade. But I feel bad because he's just in a dog shit organization. I've talked about it, and... People are going to start painting him with the narrative until he wins the Ovechkin narrative. Now, he's more prolific of a player than Ovechkin ever was, but not a goal scorer. Ovechkin's the best goal scorer of all time, in my opinion. But he's he, he's going to be he's going to be able to have that where he's going to say, you know, hey, I had my guy. Like <laughs> I had 140 points. Where the hell was the rest of my team? You know. So, but it, it's that's the way sports are. Until you get it done in the playoffs, until you win a championship, you know, people aren't going to give you your respect. How long did it take Ovechkin to get his cup? He came into the league in 05, 06. They won in 18. So it would have been, if my math is right, 12 years, 13 so, years. So, math guy. McDavid's what, halfway to that? He's played six years. So he's, half, he's halfway to that mark. But I mean, I, I highly doubt it'll, it'll happen that he won't get a cup. But I mean, for him not to get a cup, I mean, you can make all the money in the world, but it's every hockey player's dream. You, you play in the NHL for one reason, besides money, to get the cup. And it, if he doesn't have a team around him that can support him and you know keep up with producing and not just re- rely on you know him himself, you know the way things are going right now, you know being in Edmonton, they don't help put some better players around him. He he won't win that cup. Yeah, I mean, and, and on top of that too, dude, like. It would be an absolute disaster for the National Hockey League if their premier star, like the, the NHL is pretty lucky that they had Crosby and he got his cup early. Like he got his cup and he was in a cup final in his third year and won it in his fourth. So like you kind of get the monkey off your back, so to speak, a little bit. And, then, you know, he obviously went on to win two more. And there was a big gap there where people maybe think he's not going to win another one. But like with Ovechkin, if Crosby's not in the league, it's a bad look for the NHL when your best player can't win. I mean, I guess maybe the dinosaurs in Canada that are all about team this, team that, and we, the grinders on the fourth line are just as important as the you know guy scoring 60. They probably like it because it's more parity for the league. But I think, you know, and people compare Matthews to McDavid. I think Matthews is a great goal scorer, a good player, but it's going to be McDavid that carries the NHL post-Crosby, post-Ovechkin, post-Malkin. Um, so it'd be a, a horrible look for the NHL if, if you know, he's not able to secure a Stanley Cup. And maybe he has to move on. I talked about this. Maybe he has to move on from Edmonton. 
Um, but it'd be hard to, to do that because they've got dry settle there. It's almost like a Crosby Malkin type thing. If they could just build some pieces around them. And I don't see like Edmonton is not a great place to go. Like it's not a, it's not a, I've never been there and any Canadian listeners, if you, if you live in Edmonton, I'm sorry, but I can't imagine it's a free agency destination. But if you get a chance to go play with McDavid and Dreisaitl, I mean, people will be lining up and pay, potentially taking pay cuts to do so. So they just got to build around them. But it, it, it would, I think it'd be just a bad look for the NHL if, you know, if they're not able to, or at least if McDavid's not able to at least get to a cup, I mean, be a threat to do it. And I think he eventually will, like you said, it'd be, he's too good not to, not to be in that discussion, you know, to, to win a Stanley cup. I did want to keep talking about the NHL in general. So um, today, actually the day we're recording this Tuesday, again, the NHL came out and announced that they have reached a new uh, TV deal, US TV deal. Now I talked about this an episode or two ago about one half of the deal was with ESPN. But this half is with TNT. So they kind of came out of nowhere. I saw earlier in the week, NBC, that's who they're on now. And they have been since 2005, 2006. They kind of were having stalled talks a little bit. And I saw Fox was in the mix. CBS maybe was in the mix. And then TNT kind of comes out of nowhere. And they have TBS, HBO Max, all kind of stuff like that. I mean, um, CNN stuff like Turner Broadcasting owns a ton of channels. And they also have deals with Major League Baseball, um, the NBA, obviously. And then they have um, deals with the like NCAA men's basketball too for the tournament. So um, I saw I was looking at the numbers a little bit, Dustin, and it said that the rights that the the money that the NHL got from NBC was um, three hundred million dollars a year, basically on average since two thousand five, two thousand six, when the last deal was signed. Now it's going to be six hundred and twenty five million from TNT. So they more than doubled that side, and they more than doubled, I believe, the ESPN side, which is good for the league. Obviously, in a year where they lost a lot of revenue. Um, so I, the first thing I thought of was a, I don't know how closely you follow the NBA. I don't really closely follow it either, but one of my favorite shows to watch is, uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq on NBA T on TNT. And I did read today, man, it was awesome that, um, the, I don't know if it was the CEO or president of TNT. He basically came out and said that they're going to model the NHL broadcast after the NBA broadcast. So they're going to have a very similar show like that, where they're going to encourage humor and stuff like that. And just like not edgy stuff, but like some of the stuff Charles Barkley says, I'm surprised he hasn't been canceled for um, yet, but like, it's going to be awesome to see because the NBC, I mean, they were just, they would have just these old time, just like stuck up jackasses like Mike Milbury and Keith Jones up there. I mean, they have some good guys like Patrick Sharp and I know everybody hates Pierre Maguire, but I kind of like Pierre Maguire, but I think if they can potentially, and I know ESPN's trying to do it. I don't know who they would get because this isn't really part of hockey culture. But if they could get like some Hall of Fame type players, you can get a guy like Brett Hall or somebody that has like a, a huge personality to be on there like a Barkley or like a Shaq is for the NBA. It would be awesome, dude. I, I, I'm pretty stoked for that, for them to be on TNT and, uh, and ESPN. It, it's going to be great for the league. And it, it makes me so mad that when you turn on ESPN and – all they talk about over and over again is the NBA. Over and over again is baseball. Over and over again is football. Like, right now, like, yeah, I mean, the draft's coming up, but two months ago, you'll turn on ESPN at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's, like, NFL Today or something. It's like, why? What the heck? And hockey gets, like, in my opinion, zero respect whatsoever on ESPN. And... You'll be you'll sit there and watch Sports Center for like an hour or two, and maybe you'll get like a little dusting or a little sprinkling of NHL or who had a good goal or whatever. But I I just really hope that this drives more and more people to just 
just be able to see like what's out there in NHL because before you know before this this deal is huge but I remember I remember you mentioned you touched on this a while ago like you'll put on NBC Sports and I mean that's really the only channel that shows the games and you can't even catch you can't even catch like the West Coast teams and stuff because they play so late in the day and their TV time is just terrible like like for us on the East Coast like I would love to watch Connor McDavid play every night. The only way I can watch him is the NHL network app. And you can't just turn on your TV and be like, oh, you know, McDavid's playing or, you know, any of those West Coast teams that you watch Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, anybody out there. And it's like nearly impossible to keep up with unless you're on top of it and, you know, have the NHL app, but you can't, it's just impossible to watch them. So I, I really hope that this drives more and more people to have more eyes on the NHL because in my opinion, I think the NHL is probably hockey's probably one of my it's my favorite sport. I mean, the action, there's less stoppage time. And then the NFL, like you have a commercial break every after every two downs. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. they get like a it's third brutal. down, they're like, oh, timeout, commercial break. NHL, they can go for like eight minutes straight. Yeah, there's a couple stoppages because of, you know, icing or some penalties, but they go for like, like you're literally sitting there for like 15 minutes straight watching nonstop action and, you know, the hitting and it, it is a, it's, it's a much, much physical sport. And like you have soccer out there. Like I like soccer, don't get me wrong, but you see all these people fake and all this stuff that, there's like one famous video that went around and this guy, like he like grabbed another player's throat and then he got stretchered off the field cause he was faking. <laughs> like, like you gotta be kidding me. Like who, like you guys sit there and watch that. But I mean, you know, in soccer, when they get a goal, like it's, you know, it's great. It's great and all, but you know, hands down NHL is my favorite sport and I'm looking forward to see what comes out of this deal and get some more TV time for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm not saying like they're going to be, um, you know, on headlining sports center and stuff like that, because that's just not going to happen. I mean, they have ESPN's had big time guys like Max Kellerman, who's on first take with Stephen A. Smith. Um, you know, whatever you think about Max Kellerman, I kind of happen to think he's a, he's a jabroni, but he basically came out on TV like a year ago and was like, yeah, nobody, nobody cares about hockey. That's why we don't talk about hockey. People ask me, why don't we talk about hockey? Nobody cares about hockey. But now his, his, his network has, is paying hundreds of millions of dollars a year. So you would have to think they're going to get, and, and hopefully it won't all be on like ESPN plus, which is fine, but like, it, it'd be better to watch because sports center, like you said, man, it's unbearable. Like it's just unbearable to watch it. And they're talking about the NFL draft, which that's another thing. I don't want to get into the NFL draft, but I have to make this known that like the NFL drafts, like a four hour event on day one. It takes forever. Oh, it's, it's the most boring it sporting thing in the world. It lasts four days. Yeah. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. They had the premier lacrosse league draft on last night. It only took an hour. So all you have to do, like they give each team, they've had four months to prepare, but each team still gets like three or four minutes to make their pick. It's an absolute joke. And on top of that, they spend all this time, like you said, NFL today, three o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday in the middle of the off season. They spend all this time analyzing like, oh, the, you know, this quarterback's going to be great. This quarterback's going to be great. I saw a stat, dude, that since 2010, 34 quarterbacks have been drafted in the NFL draft in the first round. Only one of them has played and won a Super Bowl, and that's Pat Mahomes, who just did it a couple years ago, and he's looking like he's going to be an all-time great. 
So, like, why are they spending all this time? They're paying guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay to go out there and get almost 50% of their picks wrong, and they've been doing nothing. They only have one job, and that's to study the tape and then pick their picks, and they talk to people, and they talk to people in organizations and whatever. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. So I agree with you, man. I hope they, the NHL gets its due. And to get into the specifics of the deal before we get too crazy on the rant here, um, it says that the – TNT part of the agreement. So with Turner sports, they'll get the NHL winter classic. So the, the annual new year's day game, they'll get it every year for the, the seven next seven years. Um, they'll televise all games in the Stanley cup final in 2023, 2025 and 2027. Cause ESPN and ABC, which is cool. is going to be on ABC. Uh, we'll get the cup final in 2022, 2024 and 2026 and 2028. So the alternating years there, um, TNT will get half of the first two rounds of the playoffs. Um, each year they'll get one of the conference final series plus 72 regular season games. So that's pretty awesome. The TNT will get that. And, um, you know, for ESPN, they're getting 75 national games that are going to stream on ESPN plus ESPN and Hulu. And then they're going to get 25 regular season games will be on like big time ABC network. So like, even when the, the hockey was on NBC, they were mostly on NBCSN. They were only on the main NBC channel whenever, they played Sunday afternoons, like when football season was over. So now they're going to get games that are on ABC because ABC really only gets college football. They don't get pro football. So it's going to be pretty awesome to see, you know, you know how, how the ratings work out, how the sport's able to grow. Because, I, dude, NBC, I don't know. Some people, some people think that they did a good job. I'm not sure they did anything to grow the game. Like I talked about, they had these just these old jabronis on there. Like I said, Milbury and Keith Jones. And occasionally they bring a guy in like Patrick Sharp. Um, who's a man rocket, by the way, good player too. Like they bring guys in like that, or they had Mike Babcock on there earlier, which I thought was funny, but they bring guys in like that, that actually have some knowledge. It, it, it just, it, it didn't really, you know, forward the game at all, in my opinion, over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. So I'm glad the NHL just took their ball and went a different direction and went back to ESPN and, and, um, and TNT kind of coming out of nowhere, I think is pretty awesome, man. I'm just hoping that, so uh, I've talked about it on the last couple episodes and, uh, with pro wrestling, but AEW, so AEW is all elite wrestling. They're also on TNT. So I'm hoping they can get like some wrestling guys on there, like Chris Jericho or something. Cause I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Chris Jericho, his real name's Chris Irvine. His dad, Ted Irvine played in the NHL. I don't know when, I can't remember when, but he played for the Rangers. He was a pretty good player. So, and, uh, Chris grew up in Winnipeg. So he's a big hockey fan. A lot of those wrestlers are hockey fans. Cause a lot of them are Canadian, believe it or not. It's crazy. Um, but it'd be pretty cool to see like, you know, Chris Jericho on there, just, you know, talking to Brett Hall or somebody ridiculous about hockey. It, it would just be entertaining. That's what the NHL needs. They need personality. They need entertainment. They don't need like buttoned up suit and, you know, just saying like two word answers to the media and stuff like that. They need, they need something to grow the game. So I think this is going to go a long way to do that. Yeah. I definitely think like bringing in like some, someone with some character, like maybe like, you know, one of like an ex player who was like kind of like the jokester or like, you know, someone who was kind of like more laid back and not like so serious, just like one of the ex players, you know, who, but who was good though. You don't want just some like, you know, fourth line scrub who was just, you know, <laughs> you know, playing pranks on people like right. in, in the locker room and stuff. But um, like your point to watching like Shaq and Charles Barkley, I mean, they're hilarious. I mean, my dad, he doesn't really watch the NBA at all, but he'll he'll text me and be like, yo, did you just see what like Charles Barkley and Shaq just did or something? Just because it's funny and like people like comedy and um, 
if you can bring, you know, a little bit of comedy to it or something that draws some more attention, you know, I could definitely help. And I mean, to your point about them being NHL and NBC sports. So, um, I mean, yeah, it's a good, good way just to throw it on and just watch hockey. But uh, there was really nothing that was like, you know, intriguing to me that really like kept my attention. Like during like the, intermissions and stuff i would just put on mute i didn't even really pay attention because i just wanted to watch the hockey because right didn't entertain me at all no they i mean they don't they don't bring any like they don't bring anything to the game i saw tonight they were talking about adam fox who's a young stud defenseman for the new york rangers he's just he's probably going to win the norris trophy and probably should um unbelievable talent great player and and the first thing they say is like Oh, they, you know, he's going to win. He might win the Norris Trophy, blah, 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 blah. They don't talk about how he has, like, more assists than five people, or there's only, like, five people in the NHL that have more assists than him. He's a blue liner. And he's really, like, one of the best young defensemen in the league. They talk about, oh, his plus minus is pretty good. And, like, they just talk about, like, bullshit stats that don't mean anything. And they're they're not, like, with the – it just seems like they're just not with it. They're just – yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I it's could go like on and on reading, about NBC. It's just like they're reading, like, a teleprompter. They're just reading, like, what's in front of them. They don't really know, like, the full, like, in-depth stats and stuff. They're just saying, oh, Crosby had two goals last game. You know, it's just, like, like yeah. they're just reading off a paper. And I, I don't know. I don't want to knock all of them. I don't know if it's, like, the network is not letting them have personality or the NHL is not letting them have personality. I, I hope that's not the case. Um, but I think with the new wave, the new generation with guys like Matthews and William Nylander, people that have fashion now, it's almost like the N- or the NBA was like 15 years ago where people were starting to show their fashion sense and have more of a personality and a personal brand and say what you want about that. But at the end of the day, hockey players want to win. Like you said, they want to win the Stanley Cup. They're team guys. But I think the league, in order to grow and get where it wants to be, they got to have some entertainment value outside of the game. So I think this you know, is, is nothing but a home run for the, the NHL, in my opinion. Um, I, the last thing I wanted to mention um, for the NHL was, uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, Dustin, but uh, the AHL players, they haven't been playing because of COVID. So I just thought this was a pretty cool story. Jason Spezza, he's a longtime player in the NHL. Um, he played a long, long time for the Ottawa Senators, brief stint in Dallas, and then now he's in, in uh, Toronto. But the team in Toronto, the AHL team, the Toronto Marlies, so basically the AHL, they're not playing or, um, you know, they're not, I think they actually are playing, sorry, but they're, they're playing now. They've delayed their season for a while, but they're not allowed to have any people in the building. Um, and then the way that the salaries are, I kind of, kind of constructed is they're everybody's salaries reduced by 52%. So some of those guys, now people snuff that, you know, scoff at this because they're playing pro hockey and they're making you know money. But these, some of these guys are making 30 grand a year and they're living in Toronto and they're playing pro hockey. Um, and that's just kind of the way it's worked out with the way the, the AHL is and their revenue and not having fans and stuff. And I saw it was pretty cool. Jason Spezza, he um, got like the leadership group together in Toronto and got like Matthews and a lot of the guys to pool money together um, and then like give it, put it, put it like in a fund for them to, to help these guys out. So I wanted to give a swig of beer for Jason Spezza. That was a pretty awesome idea. Um, pretty cool to take care of your, and that's what he said. He's like, we're all brothers here, whether you're in the AHL, he's like, I play in the AHL. Um, you know, I, I know what it's like. You know, I, I can't imagine, you know, not know, not making the money that you're on your contract. It says it is. And he said, you know, we're fortunate up here in the NHL. I mean, Jason Spezza has made $89 million in his career. So like they're fortunate. They've got, they're, they're not hurting at all. You know, whether there's fans or not, the players are still getting paid. They're getting their big signing bonuses in the NHL. So I just wanted to take a swig of beer for Jason Spezza for that. I thought that was a pretty awesome uh, gesture for him and the Maple Leafs team to do that. Yeah. Cheers to that. 
Did you want to pivot over? I know you and I talked about before uh, we came on to uh, having a little top five list. These are usually a big hit for the um, the listeners. I get a lot of texts and tweets about you know the the top five and what people's top five would be or how they disagree with mine or disagree with the guests or or agree uh, sometimes. But you you had a great idea to do a top five uh, breakdown of our favorite uh, NHL jerseys, you know, sweaters of all time. Could be alternates. Could be their main sweater. Could be you know, away jerseys, whatever the case is. So um, you want to pivot over to that now if you want to go ahead. I mean, you go ahead and it's just like, you say top five jerseys and it's just like, there's there's such an extensive list of jerseys. So it's, you know, if you don't have, you know, specific ones that stick out in your mind, I mean, you know, I'll I'll touch base on it when I get there, but my top one, you know, for me is kind of obvious. That's the one that sticks out in my mind. But, you know, if you're not, you know, haven't been following the NHL for a very long time. There's some really good old classic throwbacks in there that you're like, man, why don't they just bring that back for like an alternate or like a throwback night or something? Yeah. I never understood that, man. Like, and before we get into it, like the Penguins finally went back to their like original black and gold. I don't want to say original because I know they were powder blue and all that, but I'm talking like the Lemieux era black and gold and the way the Steelers and Pirates are. And every year I'm like, man, like, yeah, these Vegas gold jerseys are decent, but like, why can't we just like, what's the problem? I know there's money involved and they've got merchandise and stuff that's already been made and stuff, but it, I'm so glad they finally went back. If they can just get the, uh, and this is a little like thing that pisses me off, but probably doesn't piss anybody off on the planet is, um, the seats in the arena in PPG paints arena. They're still the Vegas gold, like every fifth row. Oh my so, like, God. I don't know why they can't just fix that. It irritates me, especially on TV now when you see the the buildings empty because it's only like 25% full or whatever because of COVID. It just looks like they're stained with mustard. <laughs> yeah. It looks it looks fucking terrible, dude. They they need to they need to just, you know, splurge and you know, they should have done it whenever they uh they changed the uniforms, but hey, I'm not the penguins and I'm not cutting the check to do that, but I would have liked them to do it, but Well, I tell you what they dropped the ball on with, you know, less people in the crowd. What they should have done is like you said, rip out those seats, but put like I mean, the Penguins logo is not hard to make. So if anything, just do all black seats right in the, at center ice. Do, you know, a white, a white penguin in the seats. I mean, it's not that hard to make it. It's better than that stupid yellow, you know, whatever that mustard brown line is around like the fifth row and stuff. I mean, this is <laughs> terrible. Yeah, hopefully one day they'll fix that, man. It beats the old uh you remember the old Melon Arena when they had the they had like the orange seats? Oh dear God. And then like they would have those uh me and me and Troy were talking about this uh the other day. It was so funny. Like it was like one of the last arena. I mean it was an old arena. You don't see this that much these days. Um I'll tell you a story about it in a second, but like the they they used to have like the limited view seats, like <laughs> You'd be like up under the deck, but they'd have like this old like 1970s TV, like fucking <laughs> coming out of the coming out of the bottom of the concourse, and like so you, you can see watch what that. You yeah, you couldn't watch the game because you couldn't see, and there'd be a big ass pole in your way. And that reminds me of a story I was just mentioning, like my sister and I. So anybody that knows anything about the Pittsburgh Pirates knows that nobody ever goes to the games because they're a garbage team and a garbage organization, and they have been for a very long time. Sorry if you're a Pirates fan, but. My sister came into town. She moved to Virginia. She came into town, you know, a few years back, and she's like, I don't, I don't remember what, why this was the case, but like, you know, because I always thought Pirates fans somehow hated this guy, and, and I guess maybe early on, rightfully so, but after a while, it's like, why do you hate this guy? But so uh, 
my sister comes in. She's like, hey, let's do something fun. Let's do something Pittsburgh. Like, I don't get to be, you know, here very often. I'm in Virginia now. So we're like, all right, let's go down to the Strip District. We go to Permanis. We get a sandwich. And then we're like, let's go to Pirate Game. So <laughs> I was like, oh, no, we don't need tickets. We, you, don't, you don't need to buy tickets ahead of time. You just walk up to the gate and get them. Like, they're like $7 for general admission. Then you can just go sit wherever you want because no one's there. Sure as shit, dude. We go, and, like, my sister's all excited. And we go there, and they're like, oh, no, we're sold out. It's Barry Bonds, like, Appreciation Day or something. Oh, he was, like, God. the coach of, like, the – I don't know if he was, a, like, a manager or, like, a hitting coach for, like, the Giants or somebody. So <laughs> they were, like, honoring him. Dude, the whole place was packed. So we got – we had, like, one seat – or uh, one section we could sit in and had two seats available. Unheard of for Pirates. And it was limited view. And sure shit, dude, my sister and I were right behind the foul pole in left field. <laughs> like, you couldn't see anything. We were just sitting right behind the foul pole. It was unbelievable. But that just reminded me of that, like, talking about the Mellon Arena and, and PPG Paints Arena and just, like, limited view and stuff. I don't know. I went on a little ramble tangent there. But it is the Rambling Brews podcast after all. <laughs> well, I, I will say, you know, touching quick base on the Pirates, which, you know, podcasts rarely ever do anymore these days because, you know, like you said, they're <laughs> trash organization. So because of their win tonight against the Kansas City Royals, they are now over 500. But, you know, they're actually second in the NL Central. But, um, you know, you know best as well as any other Pirates fan. Don't get your hopes up because whoever's playing good, you know, that week, that month, he's going to be gone or traded the next couple of weeks. So don't get your hopes up there, Pirates fans. I saw, dude, two things on that. I saw some Pirates fans were already saying, like, oh, the Pirates are playing so well. Instead of being excited for the team that you like, you're like, just our guys are going to yep. have so much more value we can trade for now. <laughs> the, the future is here. The future is coming. Yep. Yep. The future exactly. ain't never coming. Exactly. The future but- is never coming if you're a Pirates fan. I'm sorry. And like the the pirates, like it's April. Remember that too. And I, I never thought I would talk about baseball on this podcast, but like it's April. The pirates have been known to do this a little bit. And this is kind of like whenever you have a team like, you know, a jabroni team like Alcorn State is like playing against you know a juggernaut like Ohio State or something in like a the first game of the year in college football, and then everyone's like, oh my god, Alcorn State's only down three at the half. And then, Wait, the, then you look at the end of the up- game. You're not going to bring up an Appalachian State one? Oh, and they beat Michigan. But, well, it, it doesn't fit the narrative <laughs> because usually usually the, the better team, the more talented team, you, you look at the scoreboard at the end of the game and Ohio State won like 65 to 3 or something like stupid. You know what I mean? So at, at some point, talent takes over. Right now, teams are trying to figure it out, you know. But once the talent takes over and the Pirates' lack of talent starts to show up, they're going to be in the basement. But I did want to get into that top five, top yeah, five I was jersey say, list. Yeah, back into our top five here. So uh, you want to go? I'll go five. You go your five. You want me to go through like my five through one? Yeah, I, yeah. I we we'll go do, back and forth. Yeah, we'll do a little snake draft. So you go five, I'll go five, then I'll go four, you go four, and, and we'll go from there. All right. So you know, for the listeners out there, it's kind of hard to just, you know if I just say like the name of the team of the year. So I'll try and describe a picture. So, so for my number five. You know, it's it's tough to pick because there's so many jerseys out there. But um, I think just because I love seeing the highlights of it recently with McDavid scoring all these goals and stuff, but they're the Edmonton Oilers uh, alternate jerseys right now from you know, starting in 2019 going to the current day, the like that navy blue with the orange alternates. I think that. I, I just love that the bold colors of it, you know, they have the Navy blue pants and I just think it flows well. And, you know, for me, that's my, that's my five right there. Yeah. I like that one too, man. I, I didn't like it at first, 
um, like when I saw it on Twitter, whenever like they were coming out with them, I, it, that's not, that's not their reverse retro one for this year, but it's like their alternate from last year. I think they came out and, and when, the, whenever I saw it on the ice, I was like, Oh, that, that looks pretty slick. Yeah. Like just, just the Jersey by itself. It's kind of like, eh, it's like nothing great, but like when you see it all on the ice and stuff, I think, it, I mean, it, it looks solid to me. So yeah. And you see McDavid buzzing up the right wing with it. It just looks sweet. Like I like the, like you said, the, the blue pants and, uh, the blue socks and everything, it, it looks great. The blue helmet, so it's a pretty cool uniform. I, I like that uh, le- that choice. My number five is going down to your neck of the woods, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Their 2004-2005 Stanley Cup championship uh, jerseys that they had, they had the white shoulders and they had like the different uh, symbol. It had like the lightning bolt still, but it said Tampa Bay on it. It had like the white stripe on the bottom and they were black. I always thought those were so slick and so badass. I think they might have brought them back for... They're kind of like incorporated in their um in their alternates. Yeah. yeah, their alternates they use now, which I think are pretty awesome. But those are definitely one of my favorite jerseys and had to be in my top five there. I just I just loved watching like um that team was electric too. I mean, it's crazy. People forget John Tortorella actually coached that team. But um oh my God. Like Marty San Louis and Vinny LeCavalier, Brad Richards, like uh, their oh, goalie had St. Louis, man. Their goalie, one of the best names in hockey history, Nikolai Hobby Bullen, I believe was his name. So Didn't like, St. Louis always rock the wood stick? Or am I thinking of someone else? No, I think you might be thinking of somebody else because he always had that, like, yellow stick. Ah, uh, that's what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, which didn't match his team at all, even when he played with the Rangers. But um, undrafted, too. What an unbelievable player he was. But, uh, yeah, that's my pick for number five with Tampa Bay. So um, I'll go with my number four uh, for the snake draft here with the Arizona Coyotes, uh, I guess it was the Phoenix Coyotes at the time, their Kachina sweaters that they actually brought oh back for their alternates God. now, but they're the black ones with, like, the, like, boxy-looking, like, um, coyote symbol, have the hockey stick on the front. And I just remember whenever I was a kid, um, I had the N64 NHL Breakaway 97 with uh, Keith Kachuk on the front. <laughs> he was wearing the jersey. Big Walt, what a what a boss he was, dude. They had, like, Jeremy Roenick. What a team. What a wagon they were. But those were the, some of the best jerseys. I'm so glad they brought them back, dude. There's a... Those are just some of the most classic NHL jerseys to me. Yeah, I'm definitely going to agree on that one. And I, I actually had that one on my list, but it's placed a little bit higher. But I tell you what, if, um, if I come across a, a purchase in my future for a future jersey, I'm definitely going to try and add that to my collection because with that, co- that coyote on the front, man, with kind of like that Aztec-style design, I, I th- it looks so cool. Like, it gives me, like, um, it gives me, like, that, like, the AHL vibes and how those like uh, smaller leagues come out with like these crazy like uniform designs, like the Orlando Solar Bears. Um, oh, what, you know, what a, I love their, uh, their jerseys. <laughs> their uniforms yeah. are sweet. Yeah, they'll, they'll come out with like these crazy like retro nights or they'll just have something random. But so, you know, touching on that topic, so like these, you know, kind of like retro, you know, not normal style jerseys. So for my number four, Mine is the Boston Bruins 1995 to 2006 alternate yellows. So they have like this gri- this you know this grizzly bear Kodak bear right on the front. It's just like, this head of this bear, and it kind of has like some shagginess, like you know, with like the black bottom and stuff. But I, I just thought when I was like you know browsing around and stuff, and I remember seeing that a while ago. And I was like, oh man, I was like, that's just. It's just different, you know, it's just right. kind of like, you know, because I feel like the NHL nowadays, they hold back on their colors and their tones and stuff and don't try and go too much out of the box. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's pretty cool to you know see something like that, which kind of, you know, kind of goes similar to what your, your coyote pick was. 
Yeah, I like those. There's a lot of Bruins fans actually that hate those jerseys. And I, I don't know why. Um, you know, I think it, it's a fine line. Like you said, you, you like teams to go outside of the box a little bit, especially for an alternate, you know, sweater. But I think there's a fine line sometimes of where you're like a professional hockey team and then you're a roller hockey team playing in, you know, Tuesday night at 11 o'clock. So I think that's what some people equate that to, but I don't agree. I, I kind of like those Boston Bruin jerseys, um, you know, with the bear on it. I, I just, you know, it's interesting and it has like the yellow backdrop and everything. So that's a, that's a solid pick. What do you got for uh, number three? Yeah. So my number three was actually your number four pick. And, you know, it's the, you know, the coyote sweater with the coyote on the front. You know, yeah. The Kachinas did that. Yeah, that that's I mean, an unbelievable. They're, they're just so, they're, they're just so clean. And I just like, it's, it's just different, you know, compared to what we see today. And I just, I got to get my hands on one of those eventually. That's for sure. Yeah, dude, that would be a great purchase. And um, I'll go with my number three is the um, Ottawa Senators. I think it's the 2005, 2006 sweater where it was red and it had like the really awesome Senator logo, which I think they've just brought back for this year. But instead of having like the white bottom like they have now, it had like a, like a, the same, like it's almost like a Vegas gold, but you know, the same gold bottom, you know, similar to what they have on the actual Senator symbol now. But then it had like this black arrows on the bottom. And they also had a black version of it, which was badass. Um, so one of my favorite sweaters for sure. Yeah, dude. definitely like, like the I definitely like the black version of that. And sorry to cut you off, but no, I, I just the only thing I don't like about it is that that yellow strip at the bottom it just reminds me of like caution tape. Like I, I don't know <laughs> why. It just reminds me of caution tape. I don't know, tape. dude. I kinda like it. I, I, I like it. I don't know why. Like for some reason, um, and not to get sidetracked too, but with Ottawa, like so anybody that I don't want to say anybody that knows anything about me because maybe a lot of people don't, but I've always been very like um, obsessed isn't the right word, but I very much enjoy NHL goal horns. Like I love like sick goal horns. Like I, I would just be like hanging out at my house one day and I'll be like, oh, he shoots and scores, man. Like, you I know remember what I mean? we, like, we would watch the playoffs at your house and every time the Penguins would score because you had the Penguins goal horn. In yeah, I had the goal horn, like a little house. fucking siren. Yeah, my <laughs> wife bought it for me, dude. It was, I still have it. It doesn't work anymore. I got to get a new one. Um, but I love goal horns and I always thought Ottawa had one of the best. They're like a high pitched goal horn. It's, it's great. But so that and like the sweater that I love, the 0506, it always, um, you know, made me like watching Ottawa games, even though it was mostly torture uh, for a lot of a lot of the time there from, you know, 05, 06 to, to current day. But that's my that's my number three. <laughs> so keep going for my number two. I got the uh, the Penguins Robocop jersey, like where yeah. they have the, uh, the the triangle penguin, either the white or the black one with the stripes on it. Um, I love those sweaters, man. I wish they would bring them back for a retro, too. Like, I, I just loved watching, you know, Lemieux in those in those jerseys. I'm in the mid nineties, you know, one of the best, most iconic, you know, Pittsburgh uniforms of all time. So I judging by the sigh you had over there, I think you might have that on your list too. No, <laughs> I, actually I, I, I don't, but, but my number two is a penguins one, but I, I will say that that Jersey, you, you think you say Lemieux and then that is the image that pops into your head. Like it's so iconic. And right. I forget, I have it somewhere in here in my office, but I have a, um, might've been the sports center or something, but, um, I have a, um, a magazine and Lemieux on the cover and he has that Jersey on. So it's just, you think penguins, you think Lemieux It's that Jersey in your head, that RoboCop that, no, uh, it was just, you know, very iconic, but yep, 100%. definitely for my number two, um, it, I'm going with the penguins, but 
It's one of their, you know, their newer ones, which is kind of like a, a throwback to their some of their old ones. It's their uh, Yellow Third Alternate. Um, I just, I don't know what, like, I wasn't a fan of them at first, just like the Edmonton Oilers ones I picked, but the way that yellow looks on the ice, especially, I think the yellow helmets kind of make, make the whole outfit for me. Yeah. I agree. Um, I like at first I was like, Oh my God, they're going with this crazy yellow. Like it's just, it's just so much. But when the whole outfit, when the whole kit's together, you know, the pants, the socks, everything, I think it's one of my favorites and, um, it's. I think I ordered one actually a couple of days ago. So I, I have a, just a blank Jersey cause I'm not a fan of buying jerseys with someone's name on it because you never know who's going to get traded. Even though if you buy a Crosby, you know, that's not going to get, you know, he's not going to get traded, but, um, but yeah, I have a yellow one on its way and it should be here in a couple of days. So let's go. I, I have, I've been down one. that road a time or two, man. I got, um, <laughs> my wife bought me for Christmas one year. Um, the year it was 24, I want to say it was 2015 Christmas and, um, no, it was, sorry. It was 2014 Christmas, I believe. And, um, she bought me a James Neal Jersey and then he got dealt for Patrick Hornquist <laughs> the next year. I have like a San Antonio Holmes Steeler Jersey, a Mike Wallace Steelers Jersey. Um, a Sir, well, Sergey Gonchar, he just ended up retiring, but yeah, I, I agree. I usually just go with, um, you know, I, I usually go with the staples. I have a couple Malkin jerseys, a couple Crosby jerseys. I just recently bought the, uh, the new reverse retro one, the diagonal Pittsburgh, the white jersey. Oh yeah, um, that that one's so clean too. I like. Yeah, that. I'm, I'm sure if Jake I do, the, I'm sure if I do my top five in a couple of years, I'll add that to the list because it's such a good nod to how you know the older ones used to look. And I think bringing that back, they look they look so clean. Yeah, it's sick. I got the Jake Gensel one, so I, I can't imagine he's going to be dealt. Um, hopefully not. Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> but the way he plays, but uh, so. <clears throat> I guess you're your number one choice now. Yeah, so I'll go with my number one is uh I'll give a I mean, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Like the original ninety three to two thousand six. why they ever got I mean, they start they brought it back with like the orange ones, but I don't that, know if it's no. true, man, but I think it had something to do with and somebody Disney. out there hopefully Disney. Yeah. Disney yeah, owns so it. Disney owns the rights to it. So um they basically Fucking Anaheim. Disney. Anaheim would have to basically rebuy it out from them. Um, but I mean, those jerseys just, you know, with the duck mask and the, co- the colors, the colors worked so well. And, um, I used to have a Charlie Conway Jersey. My brother had an Adam Banks one. And it's so funny. Cause I, I went <laughs> to Banks. a game, dude, I went to cake a game eater. down here. Yeah. Cake, cake eater. Um, <laughs> I went to a game down here, Tampa versus Penguins. I always try and go to the Penguins versus Tampa Bay games no matter it's always a 50 50 split there's so many pittsburgh fans down here it's crazy but anyways so i was at that game no joke saw a fulton reed jersey in the stands and that's one thing that gets me (laughs) that's one thing that gets me and i i know it bothers you too because i think you've mentioned it before but when you go to a hockey game and someone wears a jersey of a team that's not even freaking playing (laughs) Why are you there? Like, who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to do? Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like it, that's the again. I don't want to keep harping on Yinzers, but if you go to a Penguin game, there's at least I, I'd set the over under at seven and a half for the number of people that are wearing like a Steelers jersey at the game. Oh my like, god! But it's funny because uh, I know I had Seth Rorabaugh on you know a few episodes back, and I was talking to him after the fact, and, and he's a big jersey snob. 
Uh, he's funny, like not in a bad way, but like he always tweets out like the best jerseys or the worst jerseys whenever he's on the road and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, he tweeted out a picture recently where this guy had a Jordan Stahl jersey from the Penguins, oh, and it was man. spelled uh, S T A L L. Like instead of S T A A L, like it was a straight like Gabriel Brothers jersey. You know, you'd go there and you'd be like, "Let me buy this, mom. Can I get this Brett Favre jersey?" And it's like Brett Favre number five. Like, dude, it, it, it was probably he probably bought it from like those Chinese websites where they it's like those misprints jerseys. So everyone's like, oh, oh, yeah. "I'm getting a great deal on this jersey, thirty five bucks." You know? Um, yeah, you get it. Like, oh, it says crap. like Crosby with an eye in it. It's like yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like it's missing like the fighting strap in the like in the under underneath and shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> just classic, man. That's a that's a solid number one. Uh my number one is um gotta be so I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I'm a closet um uh Colorado Avalanche fan. So they're the team they were before they were the Avalanche, the Quebec Nordiques. Their baby blue jerseys, their white ones are sick too, but the baby blue jersey with the um the Nordiques logo, I think it's like an igloo with a hockey stick. It's it's badass, man. It's it's. I just like powder blue. It's one of my favorite colors, and um, you know, I just I'm a big fan of that jersey. I'd love to get it. I know the Avalanche. They brought it back kind of this year for the reverse retro. They have the Nordique symbol, but they have it in the white and burgundy, like the Avalanche colors, and has like stars on the bottom. It's pretty sick, man. It would be awesome to see a team get back to Quebec. That team or that that uh city up there, you know, and, and that fan base deserves it because there's teams in the NHL like. You know, and we could talk about it for hours, but there's teams in the NHL that have no business having a team. Like, I know we talked about the Coyotes and stuff, but they can barely fill the barn up. Uh, Carolina, up until recently, really couldn't fill the barn. Like, Tampa, to their credit, they've always had a, a great, uh, great fan base that fills the arena. Although, one gripe I have with them, I always thought was funny, is that when they went made the Stanley Cup final back in, I think it was 2015 against the Blackhawks, they had an article in the paper that was explaining to the locals what icing and offsides and like basic similar or like basic simple hockey rules were. And I always thought that was funny, but hell, I mean like people can chirp them all the time and chirp, you know, new hockey fans and stuff. And I used to do that when I was younger, I would like not look down on people, but I would think like, oh, this person's an idiot in the crowd when they don't know what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, man, it's all about growing the game. Like if, if it's a new fan, I was a new fan once. So if it's a new fan that's trying to learn the game, then, you know, but if they're sitting there screaming, shoot the puck when the puck, they're on a penalty kill and they're at the red line, then I'm going to think like, okay, you're a fucking idiot. But you know, that's, that's just, you know, I always thought that was funny, but that's one of my favorite jerseys of all time. It's my number one uh, NHL uniform. So that was a dude, that was an awesome list. I I think uh, the fans will really enjoy that. And there'll definitely be some people I'll um, on rambling brews. Instagram, I'll, I'll tweet out or Instagram, I'll tweet Instagram. I'll, I'll post, uh, <laughs> I'll post, uh, you know, our picks and, and let people actually see the jerseys. So I think we did a pretty good job with the visual description here, um, uh, verbally, I guess. But so hopefully, you know, people uh, will enjoy that and we'll send us messages and, and, you know, tweets and IG posts and and texts or whatever that whatever their uh, favorite sweaters are and stuff. But I, I think that's a pretty cool idea. I really enjoyed that. I thought your list was good too. Yeah. Thank you, man. So, um, I, I will say that I was surprised by your number one pick. Um, that wasn't even one that came to mind, but you know, I, when you sent me your list, I pulled it up and I was like, how did I even miss that? You know, that, that powder blue is such a, you know, such a unique color and I love the way it looks, especially with the igloo and you know, it's so simple, but yeah, you know, it's it, so it, Canadian, dude. It, yeah, it's just it, like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks so good. But, um, you know, real quick, two topics I wanted to t- touch on. Um, your, your point about Tampa and sending out that article about like what icing is and stuff like that. So when I moved down here, 
I will say that, um, so I moved to Tampa about like four years ago and I, I always thought that like, you know, like I knew what the term fair weather fan was because Pittsburgh, there it is, especially for the pirates. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Tampa has been given a lot of credit in the past couple of years for their sports teams and especially for hockey. And right. Oh my God. Like around the town, there was like, you know, during regular season, yeah, they're playing great, blah, blah, blah. But when playoffs come around, everyone's got shirts, everyone's got jerseys, you know, I'm sure it's the same, you know, in a lot of other cities and stuff that don't have, you know, their major sports teams and stuff. But it, it bothered me so bad that, you know, everyone was like, oh, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go out to a bar and watch the game and stuff like that. And half the people that are going out don't even know what the heck they're, heck they're watching. And it's just, and, you know, they've, got, they've gotten a lot better the past couple of years, you know, because um, you know, Tampa, you know, Lightning's been doing so good and same with the Buccaneers and stuff. But, you know, besides, you know, the, these Flor- Floridians getting out in their boats and going fishing and stuff like that, they're like, oh, what's this hockey stuff? What, what's ice? What's snow? Um, but, you know, they've gotten a lot better. And, you know, with it, it's good to see, you know, Tampa doing good for, you know, for the past couple of years and you know, seeing them win the cup and stuff. But I just thought it was funny that you brought up that point because, you know, being down here, I definitely can agree to that point of, you know, them explaining the rules of hockey to, you know, Floridians because they're not used to what hockey is. And I feel yeah. bad, you know, little little side note off of that, the Florida Panthers, man, they for the past couple of years, they've had a really good team, but they just can't fill the seats, you know, because, you know, hockey's not that popular down here in Florida. And they were basically giving away, like, season tickets over the past years and they've they made the playoffs and right now i believe i mean are they second in their division uh i think they are let me let me check the stats they're they're right i mean they're they're having a hell of a season dude like they are um you know and like you said they've been a great team like they've had good players they're finally putting it together they've got joe quinville the coach uh, one of the best coaches in nhl history and he's kind of got them clicking on all cylinders um right now they are yeah, they're exactly. They're second in the division. Um, they're one point ahead of the Lightning, two points behind the Hurricanes. They've clinched a playoff spot. And to your point about the Panthers, like with their fans, I remember my buddy Jeff. He used to always uh, try to book like a a guys trip um, for a hockey team in like our fantasy hockey league to go out, go down and see the Penguins. Because like you mentioned, you always like going to see the Pens play in Tampa every year in a normal year around December, mid December. They play at Tampa at Florida. They do like the Florida swing. So we were going to try to go down and um, I didn't, I wasn't able to make it the year that they went, but he went and he was like, yeah, dude, it was like $35 for all you can eat seats. They were like club level in uh sunrise down, like in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, I guess is kind of where it's at. And, and uh, <laughs> dude, I'll be like, that's awesome. Like you can't, you club level in Pittsburgh or club level in Tampa is probably a couple hundred bucks at least. So like if you can go, it was all you can eat because that's what I was gonna say. You talked about the Floridians being on their boats and stuff like that. Like people, like people in Florida, they're just like that's how every pro sport team is. I feel like you know, like Miami Heat when they had LeBron, the the first quarter half the stands are empty because Florida, the, the people in Florida are just like laid back. They're on their own time, but there's like a million other things to do. Like it's always nice weather down there. I guess besides the rain and the massive humidity and stuff, but still, it's better than weather in Pittsburgh or better than weather in Cleveland or something like you know what I mean. So like, 
I can understand there's a million other things to do. So you're not like super into hockey or into basketball. You're on the beach, you're out drinking, you're out partying. The clubs and bars are open until seven in the morning. Like there's a million other things to do down there. So I, I, it's no knock on them. I just, I just thought, thought it was funny that like these Tampa Bay people that live there, they've got an absolute juggernaut in their backyard and they don't even like realize it. It seems like now they do, which is good for the team and good for the league that, you know, they can show that somebody in South Florida and a warm weather climate can do well. Cause there hasn't been that many that have, I mean, Dallas, they've won a Stanley cup. T- Tampa's now one, two, um, Florida, they went to a Stanley cup final. Um, you know, Carolina, they've won a Stanley cup. Coyotes have been decent, you know, in the LA teams, you look at the, the LA uh, Kings, Anaheim, you know, they've been good teams. They've won cups. Um, San Jose hasn't won, but they're not really, I wouldn't consider San Jose. I mean, I guess they're in Cali, but they're not like a warm weather climate at times. It gets, it gets a little chilly up in Northern California, but you know, I, I always just found that funny. So I'm glad you brought that up. Like just with the, the Floridians. Yeah. And I, th- I thought it was pretty iconic that for their, uh, Stanley cup celebration was a boat parade. Cause you know, Florida, everyone's on their boats, but I thought it was pretty cool. Um, but you know, so back to the mighty ducks Jersey, I wanted to, a- I wanted to ask you, have you watched the, uh, mighty ducks on Disney plus by chance? Like the new one? Yeah, the new TV series. No, no. Yes. Yeah, so, should I, mean, I watch uh, it, or should I? Well, am I going to be pissed? So Did I they mean, ruin the original. You've you've obviously watched the first three. Oh yeah, the originals. So yeah, I I mean I mean still to this day they hold up. I mean the first ones you know. Oh, Russ Tyler great. can still go top cheese with that knuckle puck, man. Dude, it, like I I honestly think one and two were so good. Three was meh, not bad because you know college years and stuff. But right. I will say, so I, I've been watching just because of the, you know, the subtle nods that they do to the original ones. But, you know, I, I think they're, I think they have five episodes out right now. And if you can, it, it is so cheesy. It's not even funny. Like even like the, like the hockey scenes, like of them actually playing the games and stuff. It is just so tacky. It is, it is so hard to watch. And it's like, are, the Mighty Ducks movie back in the '90s is like tenfold better than what this is. It's like, oh yeah. Oh the only man, thing I'll say about so the, the watch. Only thing, I I haven't watched it. I probably won't watch the new one. But the only thing I'll say, and this might be blasphemous to some fans out there, and maybe you, but uh, the Flying V was offside, bro. The Flying V was offside. <laughs> you can't you can't do that. Like this. Oh. I mean, unless they're moving the puck up or. I, I, <laughs> No, nah, I'm just fucking with you. I always just thought that was funny when I've seen jokes like that where people are like, they're flying V's offside. Flying V's offside. <laughs> so, man, I wanted to pivot over to, like, last week I talked about, um, you know, I'll be down, whenever the listeners are hearing this, um, I'll be down in Florida just getting ready to celebrate your wedding. It's going to be a blast, man. So how you feeling about that? Oh, man. So uh, it hasn't really hit me yet. Uh, we, you know, we've got all the planning done and out of the way, but... um. Today, a little bit at work, you know, people, you know, I got, I got a card from you know, some of my coworkers and stuff and they were asking me questions and I wasn't really nervous until, you know, kind of like, you know, during, during when I was getting those cards and stuff and people were asking me questions about it and I'm not really that nervous about it. The only thing I am nervous about is uh, our first dance, man. So, you know, all the spotlights on you and, uh, you don't want to mess up even though no one knows your dance routine. So if you mess up, no one's going to know, just keep rolling with it, but it's going to, going to be a great time to, you know, have some, have some friends come down and, you know, get some of the crew back together. Like I know, uh, Troy's flying in on Thursday and so are you. And, um, 
we're going to go golfing on Friday morning. Um, we were going to play at the Four Seasons Resort where we're going where the wedding's going to be at at, at Disney. But um, you know, Four Seasons decided to tell me that it was going to be two hundred forty five dollars a person, <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, Papa, you know, Ch- Charles Norris over here was going to flip the bill for it. But when he heard that number, he was like, <laughs> uh, "Yeah, we're going to go somewhere else." So I had to do some searching around to find another course. So. Yeah, we're gonna, dude, play dude, a, I, we're gonna we're gonna play at another course right near there, but for <laughs> for a lot less. I've mentioned on the podcast, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Like, I dude, I mean, I, I'm a decent golfer. I know you're a pretty good golfer. I play with you in the past, but like, you know, I I shoot at, at best. I'm like in the high 80s, low 90s. So I don't need to be like if it's 245 dollars around, I'm gonna be like pissed off at 8:30 in the morning, just chunk city out there, just can't get the fucking ball out of the rough. Cause like, you know, I, I don't know how the Florida golf courses are, but up here in Pittsburgh, there's not a flat lie to be found. Like even the tee boxes are slanted. So like, it, it, I'm not used to hitting off like a fairway or like a nice flat lie. So God, it's going to be even worse, but dude, I, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. I don't, we could be fucking playing anywhere. I couldn't care less. Yeah. So, um, you know, off of that, after we do the dinner Friday night, you know, Saturday is the big day and you know, it was supposed to be in February, but we had to delay it a little bit because of COVID and we wanted, you know, to have everybody come down safely and stuff. Um, but go figure, um, you know, May 1st is the wedding day and that's the same day as the Derby. And, you know, so we're gonna, we're gonna have, uh, you know, kind of for weddings, they have like specialty drinks and, you know, shout out to the Kentucky Derby. My specialty drink's going to be the mint julep. So, you know, you know what a mint julep is, sir? I have no idea. I'm I'm lost in the clouds here in terms of uh, horse racing. Yeah, so the the mint julep is kind of like the well known drink for the Kentucky Derby, um, because of the uh, man. What I just Woodford Reserve is the bourbon that is used for it, and that's like the 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 big like sponsor of the Derby. So okay, that so that's basically um like their advertised drink that sponsors uh the derby there um so that's going to be like our specialty drink and stuff like that so um so you know transitioning off of that from from the wedding um so big weekend in sports you know you know the kentucky derby is like you know they call it like the biggest day in sports it's uh Big day. So this year is the 147th run for the Roses, and I don't know if you know this or a lot of the listeners, but you know every year the the purse for the Derby is a hefty two million dollars. So you know put up a pretty penny for that, and just to get your horse entered into the race, it costs you know the owners twenty five twenty five grand for that. So. Jesus. Yeah, it's always so, you the know, same owners too, like the the same trainers and the same owners. Like that guy with the horrible like Donald Trump looking hair. Oh my god! Yeah, the, so Bob Baffert. I <laughs> yeah, think, almost positive is the guy you're looking yeah, for. It so, is. It is. <laughs> so basically, you know, same Donald hair, Donald Trump hairstyle, but it's white. You know, right? Yeah, white as a sheet of paper. <laughs> His right glasses on. too, right? Yeah, Bob. Yep, yep. Yeah. Typical him. Um, you know, but you know, to his credit, he's kind of like uh, you know, kind of oh, a legend in the, the status. The yeah, he's the man. You know, there, you know, there, there was a long drought there for triple crown winners for, you know, for the horses and for a triple crown, you have to win the Kentucky Derby, 
the, the Kentucky Derby, and then the the Belmont and the Pre the Preakness and the Belmont, and that hasn't that wasn't done for a long time. And then I think it was 2015, American Pharaoh won it, and then you know, I think it was like three years later, and then Bob Baffert did it again with Justify. Um, but uh, so speaking of Bob Baffert, um, he. He doesn't have too much caliber in it this year. Um, he has you know, one horse in it with a Medina Spirit, and he's not really like a favorite this year. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know, some people would be putting their money on that horse to you know make make a run for the top three. Because you never know, Bob Baffert. I'm pretty sure I looked up his stats for the Kentucky Derby, and he has. You know, for his horses that he has entered in the race, he's four wins, four seconds, and three thirds. And I mean, speaking of a two million dollar purse, and I'm not quite sure of the percentages, but I mean, that's a good bit of good bit of money right there. Because I think if you win, you, if you win, you, I think you get like one point three million. So quite yeah, a, like, quite a good bit there. That's crazy. Like that's just, I mean. Kentucky Derby, that's the biggest one. Like I know with the Triple Crown, but that's the most like most well known race. Like I know my wife always wants to have like a derby party. She always talks about like <laughs> we're gonna watch the Kentucky Derby. She doesn't know, you know, fuck all about the the racing and I don't either. I'm not knocking her. I'm just saying like but people just want to go and like hopefully they'll have fans this year. I think last year they didn't have any fans. It was a little oh, bit odd. Yeah, so that that and you know, speaking of that, that's just that's an unfortunate topic because Oh no! I I'm mean, not gonna have any so this year. well, well, no, no. This year they no. This year they do. It's at fifty fifty percent. Um, or fifty. I think it's a, I think it's at fifty percent. So, um, I mean, it's definitely one of the greatest traditions, and for me personally, definitely a bucket list. Like that was like oh, yeah. my thing. You know, before like that was like my original thinking of doing like a bachelor party there, like doing you know. Doing Churchill Downs, doing the Derby, going to all the like the distilleries and stuff like that. But is it in uh, Louisville? Uh, yeah, it's in Louisville. It's, it's it was at Churchill, like this little like smaller town, yeah. like within Louisville. So, um, so last year was I was actually planning on going last year because we have a couple friends, um, who we who I met through Denise, my fiance. She, um, they live right there in Louisville, and we were talking about going to, to Churchill for the Derby, and we were you know, making plans to buy tickets and stuff like that. But, you know, due to COVID last year, no fans were allowed to attend. And that was probably my best chance to go. And it got canceled, but definitely, definitely will go one day. But, um, but to your point this year, I believe they're having 50% in attendance. So, but that'll still hold 45,000 fans. I mean, for, for a horse race, you know, usually they get about <laughs> yeah, 90,000 fans. Like that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. For um, like a two minute, like, I, I know there's, and well, I don't know, I guess you can tell me, but cause the coverage starts at two thirty. they have like races prior to the actual Derby, right? Yeah. So the day before they do the, um, Kentucky Oaks, which is more so for okay. the Phil for the Phillies because, um, Usually the next day is more of like the higher caliber, fa the faster horses. Um, and so the Kentucky Derby Oaks um, is kind of, is for the, like the Phillies because um, the Colts, they, they run faster than the Phillies do. Right. Um, so, but I know for the day of, you know, to get like a reserved seat in like the grandstands, that holds about like 
for this year, they're holding about like 30,000 fans up in the grandstand. And from what I saw, um, they said it was about like $1,800 a person. Good Lord, dude. Which is insane. Well, um, it's like a, it's a wealthy person's event, right? Like it's usually yeah. celebrities or, you know, I don't not all celebrities, but just like, you know, big time people, you know, like Bill Belichick goes, the Patriots head coach, Dave Portnoy, the president of Barcelona Sports has been there, like Tom Brady, those types, they, it's that like upper echelon type of people. It's yeah. not like... Not saying you and I couldn't go, but we wouldn't. I, I'm not. I'm not paying eighteen <laughs> hundred bills for, you know. Yeah, it, for me to ridiculous. go bet another five hundred and lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and it's ridiculous. And you know, people go there just to show off their crazy, crazy suits and their big hats. You know, because that's yeah. what the women do. You know, they that's what that's what uh, my wife wants. Hats. Like Sarah, she she wants to have a party so she can. She has more hats than I've ever seen any woman ever have, and. It's not a lot. I just haven't seen a lot of women have hats because it's not, you know, 1873. But she she wants to do that. So, like, I'm pumped for it. I know it's going to be uh, wedding day and, and we'll uh, we'll keep a close eye on it. Do you have any do you have any picks um, or like any insight into who the listeners might be able to uh, throw some coin on? Maybe make a little uh, maybe make some couple shekels, you know? Yeah, absolutely. well, I'll try and get some. I mean, there's no guarantees. It's horse racing. You never know what's going to happen. So, right. Um, so one thing that, you know, I was checking on the weather and stuff because a lot of times, um, I remember one year, like it, it absolutely poured during the the derby and there was like this long shot. Oh, I forget who it was. I think it was mind that bird, if I remember correctly. And you know what? Speaking of old Kentucky derbies, do you still have my Smarty Jones t-shirt that you stole from me? <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, I holy shit, buddy! You pulled that one dude, out of nowhere. I, I, I think uh, I forget no, what year some, that was. Yeah, I remember having it like up to a couple years ago. I might have shipped it off to Goodwill as a Good Samaritan, donated to the the community. But yeah, dude, that someone's blue, holding on to it. Yeah, someone's holding on to it. Yeah, exactly. Someone, someone's got a you know nice. If somebody in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania, right has your your fucking Smarty Jones T shirt. <laughs> But yeah, but so anyways, you know, it, my, my, my go-to is if it's crappy weather, bet a long shot, bet like one of like the least favorite horses. Cause you never know what's going to happen. But I was checking the weather and as of today on Tuesday, when I checked it, it's going to be sunny high of 71. So it's pretty much going to be perfect conditions for the horses out there. Um, so I was going through some of the odds and stuff on doing some, you know, some insight on some of these horses. So. So as of today, the favorite um, is going to be essential quality, and being that he's undefeated, it, you know it's hard it's hard to see him losing this race. But I I would say he could have some competition with Hot Rod Charlie, in my opinion. I like Hot Rod Charlie as a second favorite, um, but he he's as of right now he's the fifth favorite in the race. But I I kind of touched base on this earlier. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Medina Spirit gets some more heat on the day of the race only because he's owned by Bob Baffert and, you know, with his history, with his horses and stuff, um, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I would say, so if one of the, uh, other horses that was on my list is rocker world right now, he's listed as a five to one. Yeah. But he only has one race under his belt. And that's obviously not very many. Um, but that was a win, uh, a solid win at the Santa Anita Derby. And 
following up with him was a known agenda at six to one. And he just came off a pretty good win down here in the Florida Derby. Um, but if I had a long shot pick, if someone's trying to, you know, make some coin, as you'd say, um, uh, I, I would throw in, uh, throw in some money on midnight bourbon. Um, as of what I've been reading, he's ha- been having some pretty strong workouts. He finished second in the Louisiana Derby just by, just behind hot rod, Charlie, who was my second favorite pick. Um, but I'll go into, you know, some of the picks a little bit later on as to what the like win play show would be into like what those details are. But I was talking to my dad a little bit earlier about it and asking him for his insight, you know, cause you know, my family, like you mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast is everyone's always in the, my family's in the horse racing business and my dad's you know, been in the business for quite a long time. and has got some contacts out there and, I remember when we turned 18, we would go to the meadows and we we would always go watch the horse races and stuff. And I remember one time, like when we first started betting and stuff, he came down and helped us out and threw some bets out there for us and made us like, you know, a couple 200 bucks that night or whatever. But, um, I always, I always, I always ask my dad for tips and stuff. He knows some people and, uh, it was actually kind of funny because I texted him. I was like, Hey, I'm doing this podcast tonight. I'm like, you got any, got any uh you know some picks for me here so i can throw out there on the line go figure my dad pulls his guy he lives in ontario his name is tom butler and he's a thoroughbred handicapper and <laughs> nice. you don't so what a thoroughbred handicapper is he, he's basically a well-known guy who follows the thoroughbred in horse racing business and is known for you know following you know horse by horse and you know where they're racing at what they're doing and how how well they're doing and he, he's good with his picks so uh he, he sent he he sent me a text message here with a couple bomb picks that could uh blow up the race here so one of his picks was uh king fury and what he was saying was uh he, he's pretty fresh he loves racing at churchill so obviously he's raced there in the past couple outings and i guess his most recent race, he had a nice win in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. So, wouldn't be surprised if King Fury makes an upset in the top three. Um, and then his follow up, his follow up to that is Helium. Um, Helium, from what he says, always shows up on race day. He's also undefeated, just like uh, just like Essential Quality, who I mentioned earlier. But uh, he's undefeated, and he's although he's light on the experience side but very professional in all of his wins. And he's actually been racing here locally at the Tampa Bay Downs. Um, but in his most recent race, so he basically the entire race, he raced four, he, he ran four wide. So basically what that means is, you know, you're, you're running around the track and if you're running four wide, you're four horses deep going around the turn. So you're losing all those steps. So he was pretty impressed with how he ran that entire race four wide and coming down the stretch, he started to open up this other horse came up to challenge him. His name was hidden stash came up to test him, And, you know, he came face to face with him, and he, he just started pulling away. Cause he loves getting that attention, loves getting out of pressure. So he, he was a uh, pretty high on this horse helium to pretty much make a, make an upset. Um, and then a couple couple other picks that he had for his top three were pretty similar to mine in regards to Rock Your World. Um, but one of his points was um, Rock Your World actually has probably, in his opinion, the best rider in the field with Rosario. 
So he's looking to basically set him up for a great run in the race. And then he also had a pick of Hot Rod Charlie as well, which is who I picked for my second favorite. Um, and then so he picked for his favorite, Essential Quality. The horse is undefeated, so he wouldn't be surprised that this you know horse would to win it today, even though he hasn't had very much competition. You know, so anything can happen on Derby Day coming out of those gates. So he won't be surprised if he gets some kickback and stuff, and he'll be anxious to see how he holds up to all the competition. Dude, that, that that's a unbelievable breakdown. Like, like I, like I said, I, I'm a blank slate when it comes to the Derby, but I'm, you know, we talked about it before. I'll be flying down to Florida for the wedding. I'm gonna bring me a pocket full of cash, and I'm gonna be hitting up the old, uh, the old bet, and just hammer some of these picks from your buddy up in Ontario and you as well. Yeah, so we can uh, we can pull up the Twin Spires account or Express Bet or anything. Um, I was trying to get uh, you know big screens for the cocktail hour and a little betting booth set up, but apparently that's <laughs> yeah. not going to fly. That's going to be frowned upon, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so you know anything you can take away from you know that little rant I just went through is I would just take those horses' names: King Fury, Helium. Um, let's see, Essential Quality, Hot Rod Charlie. You know. Maybe play some bets on them, and you know, just a quick rundown. If you know of, of the type of bets you can do, you know, you can you can place you know anywhere from two dollars to five dollars, a hundred dollars, whatever you got in your pocket. You know, I'm probably going to be betting a Ben Franklin on essential quality to to win. Um, so basically, you can bet a horse to win, so he has to come in first. If you want to bet a horse to place, that's basically going to have him come in second you're going to bet him to show it's going to come in third so but even though you bet this horse to come in second or third if he finishes first or second if you um you know you still win that money on that ticket um so i would say a safe bet would be you know if you just want to try and make a couple dollars or whatever have some fun with it you know just you know pick one of the long shots or you know pick someone who has like a five to one odd or six to one odd Bet him to show because if he finishes first, second, or third, you're gonna you know still win the money. Yep. Yeah, you're still gonna win a little bit of money. Yeah, and you know if you want to get fancy with it, they have you know some extra ones you can do an exacta, and the exacta is you're picking the first and second second finisher, um, and then you have the trifecta where you're picking one, two, three. And there's the super That's a big factor. payoff, right? Oh, well, well, the super yeah. factors have even bigger payoff. Well, the but... super effect, super is one, two, three, four. I mean, and you know, you can win a lot of coin on it, but you know, it's nearly, it's hard to pick those. I mean, if you want to have a little bit more fun with it, pick the first and second horse, go with an exacta and uh, you can have, so what you can do with that exacta is you can box it. So you can get an exacta box so you can bet Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie as an exacta box. And if you do the exacta box, that means either one of those two horses can come in first or second. As long as you have those two in your top two, you know, it's going to pay out still. Um, but if you have like a $2 exacta box on those two horses, you, you still have to pay $4 because you're betting two types of winnings. So, but, you know, that's just a quick little rundown. And I'm... Definitely anxious to see how the Derby turns up, and by the time the race goes off, you know I'm looking to be doing my first dance. Yeah, so. you'll be having. As I was going to say, you'll be having your first dance, and you'll be preoccupied. But you know, me and the boys that are coming down, and your dad, I'll be over there celebrating our our victory with the the advice you just gave us, man. No, that, that's awesome, dude. I, I and if if you 
If you're listening to this podcast and it's past Saturday, you didn't listen to it when it came out, in the words of Mike Lang, shame on you for six weeks because you you definitely you missed out on, you know, hopefully a couple winners here with the breakdown points. Dustin just gave, man. Definitely a couple of coins. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, exactly. Dude. I mean, 100% central quality. I What I'm going to do is, you know, if you're going to go with my pick, central quality to win, I'll put 100 on the win. Hopefully. He'll pay out, you know, gets like 200 back or something, but just to have a little right. fun with it. I'm, I'm with it too. I'm, I'm riding with you, man. Everybody rides, but, uh, dude, that was awesome. That was a great breakdown. This was an unbelievable podcast. I can't thank you enough for coming on, especially on a wedding week. I think the listeners are really going to enjoy this. Um, it was a blast, man. So appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to get down there and have a good time. Oh yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it too. And, you know, ever since you started doing this, you know, I've been, trying to figure out a schedule here that would, you know, best fit for what we can talk about. And I think we worked it in, you know, just well. And I mean, I don't know what time we're at, but I'm pretty sure we're at two hours and feels like it's only been 15 minutes. So I can, yeah, we've been you know, buzzing time, any day we can, you know, in a you know, a couple of weeks down the road, we can do a, you know, a recap on, you know, what all went down at the wedding and stuff like <laughs> Dude, that. People, but. people are going to be on your ass. If, if some of these uh, picks don't hit on the Kentucky Derby, they're going to be asking me like, yo, when's Dustin coming back on? Who's this be... guy? What is this? <laughs> nah, here's dude, the but, thing. I'll, yeah. I'll stick to my word and I'll bet it. So if I lose, you lose, but we win, we all win. Yeah. So. You make the decision. If you want to ride with Dustin, the guy's only been around horse racing since he was two years old. Not a big deal, but you know, if you want to ride with him, like I'm going to ride with him, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get Troy on board too, our buddy Troy. And uh, we'll be, we'll be making some money. So we, we're going to laugh at, you know, we're going to laugh all the way to the bank. So if you want to join us, Go ahead. If not, that's fine. But, dude, hey, again, I appreciate the hell out of you coming on. It was awesome. And on that note, hammer those Kentucky Derby picks. Have a hell of a weekend with some ice-cold beers. And remember, if I don't see you around here, I'll see you around. Here. This is the way I live. Boy, still pushing big wheels. I stack my money, lay low and chill. Don't need to work hard, that's the way I feel. I feel like this is the way I live. Little boy, still pushing big wheels. I stack my money, lay low and chill. Don't need to work hard, that's the way I feel. I feel like this is the way I live. Six months later, now with big dog status. Name elevated, but I still act average. Rocking shows in Dallas, balling like I play for the Mavericks. West Bank rapping, I'm one of the Bad. It's French Riviera spy and I'm getting in shape, man. I think I'm super M-A-N without a cake, man. Grinding all day hustling, all for the cake, man. I'm a Benjamin Stack, one inch taller than great days. Fifty made cheap, Ray band like a felon. I'm growing up, not spitting hotter than my Helens, and I'm still living good, never going to flop. I'm a young little dude, stay running from cops. And my rubber is the place where I got my props. People love me in the hood, they don't want me to stop. So, uh, that's the only way I know how to rock, and I'm I'ma stay where I bustle, I ain't gon' stop till I drop. Little boy still pushing big wheels. I stack my money, lay low and chill. Don't need to work hard, that's the way I feel. I feel like this is the way I live. Little boy still pushing big wheels.